Welcome to our podcast. We're here because we like things. We're here to say some stuff, something that rhymes with things. We like all media, but sometimes far too much. So now it's time for us to hyperfixate on the Thunderbirds 1965 and Thunderbirds Argo 2015 TV shows. Hi, and welcome to Hyperfixation, the podcast about things we like that we think you should like too. I'm Goldie. I'm Joel. And I'm Claire. And today, I'm going to be trying to sell you guys on the idea of puppets and explosions. But before I get into it, here's Joel with the intro. Yeah, okay. So, this will probably be the first episode, unless we somehow release the pilot episode before this, which we're almost certainly not going to do. So, general idea of this podcast, for those listening, for those interested. So, we all have very specific holes that we fold into very often. God, I wish. Yes. (laughs) Well, oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But we all have interests that consume large amounts of our life. And I thought this is a nice space for us to share them with people and effectively make it someone else's problem for a little bit. Because I'm sick of liking all this stuff and never being able to talk to anyone about it. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the idea. So we're going to introduce every episode. One of us is going to introduce the other two to a new topic. And I... You guys at home can follow along if you are also starved for new sources of sweet, sweet dopamine for yeah, your brain juice. You can see this is there's a lot of content in this world, uh, and we will be your curators for the uh, less well known, uh, just as good, or very obscure. Uh, things which we've already done the hard yards and found for you and we're going to tell you why it's good or just nah, i'm just going to show you the real mainstream stuff yeah that might also be the case <laughs> it, also, it also might just be talking about mainstream stuff or things that are mainstream and very inaccessible for instance possibly wrestling maybe comics yeah there's also like this long-running sci-fi series that i think is just a bit underground star wars you might have heard of it yeah, yeah um, that one <laughs> yeah not a lot of people have it's kind of shit but really? you mean that thing that isn't yeah. as good as star trek yeah that that one as well it's, it's just real underground no one's even like what is it what a trek through the stars what it's really lame that they ripped each other off and both called it star something yeah like pick another celestial body I know. come on guys yeah what venus was planet was uh, comet d- was dwarf dwarf planet trek mm. dwarf planet <laughs> well they've right. already got red dwarf all right they yeah. do that as a well trick. that's just another star yeah but it's a specific star a bad one yeah <laughs> the shittest star you can find i think that's a brown dwarf all right what are we talking about today Thund- today we're talking about thunderbirds i almost called you thunderbirds <laughs> What are we talking about today, Thunderbirds? <laughs> oh, I'm going to get back to that because that, that's okay. a pet peeve. We can um, call you Thunderbirds if you like. Yes. <laughs> Never. Is your pet peeve that people won't call you Thunderbirds? My pet peeve is that, uh, as I'll get into, uh, the name Thunderbirds has been used to refer to several different things in the franchise, which bugs me because it has only one thing it refers to. But Thunderbirds is a TV show made in the 1960s uh, about a family um, uh, of rescue folk who have incredibly advanced nuclear-powered machines who fly all over the world rescuing people from a variety of crazy, uh, very specific and incredibly dangerous uh, fates. The show I watched as, as a kid in reruns in the 90s, uh, it was made during the peak of the space race, so there's a ton of uh, grand atomic solutions. It's set in like the year 2060 and all of these amazing inventions which always go wrong. Uh, and you have to save 
two or three people from this incredibly dangerous situation and the only people who can do it are the tracy brothers and their fantastic thunderbirds machines as a part of the organization international rescue now this franchise has gone through a lot of iterations over the years so they tried to try to kind of kickstart it every now and then every 20 years or so and each time they do they call the thunderbirds a different thing in the original we have the tracy brothers are the pilots of the thunderbirds machines of the organization international rescue several times the tracy brothers have been referred to as thunderbirds themselves <laughs> or the organization is called thunderbirds which you know fair enough but you don't call a pilot a fighter jet and every time they do because they're like there's only one buzzword in this franchise everyone's gonna get we'll call everybody a thunderbird aren't you the thunderbird from thunderbirding around uh, thunderbird 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 so i do get so i got that must that must be the pet peeve that's what everyone peeve. calls thunderbirds <laughs> is everything it's a yeah similar it's, to how everyone is a mask is a halo <laughs> or a zelda yeah a zelda, yeah, okay. a zelda. it's <laughs> the same problem it's all it's all Princess Zelda, yeah, and Danky Kang. Oh, oh, look, it's Zelda with his with his master sword, uh, fighting Wario, Fat Wario. I don't know. I haven't played Zelda a lot. Are you fighting going to play Wario? Demons and Dungeons? <laughs> um, I would like to explore Fat Wario a little <laughs> bit more because Wario is already fat. So what is Fat Wario? <laughs> well, Fat Wario is wide and Ganon is tall. So, like, it's the same width, but you just scale it up. So, it's the fat warrior, but he goes up instead of out. So, he's like, if you stretch warrior out. Yeah, if you stretch warrior, you get Ganon. Wouldn't you just get Waluigi? No, because you have to scale in to get Waluigi again. You have to go up and in. Yeah, up and in. So, yeah. if you just took Wario and gave him a height relative to his weight, you get Ganon. Is that what you're proposing to me? Right yes, that is, what I'm, that is what I'm proposing uh, as fact for the Zelda Phantom. Okay. Don't at me. All right, sure. <laughs> I'm going to let this go, but I'll let you know that you're going to suffer for that for quite some time. <laughs> All right. So continue, I guess. What's going on with Thunderbirds? Why should we like Thunderbirds? Okay. So Thunderbirds is good. The main reason that I really enjoyed it, that I think it sticks around. One kink that I kind of have is transformation sequences in shows and a lot of named things. If there's a show where there is a good amount of regular items or monsters or brightly colored things which have a name or a name series, uh, then I will spend my time memorizing them and will love it when an episode like brings one out of a hat and I'll be like, oh my god, it's this thing that appeared. Which explains why we're currently surrounded by Pokemon plushies. And Digimon. Uh, okay. Yeah, so Pokemon, Digimon, uh, anything that has like a wide collection of monsters or robots, Gundam, Evangelion, they all have transformation sequences or launch sequences, and you can watch an episode, and then they'll be like, oh no, this situation calls for, and I'll shout at the TV what it needs, and then they will, and I'll get it correct, and that gives that sweet, sweet dopamine. So that's what it does for me, but that's a pretty specific thing. The reason why I think other people should like Thunderbirds is it's part of a kind of small genre of narrative where there isn't a actual bad guy there is a antagonist in thunderbirds called the hood who runs around causing a bunch of problems but he's not actually in the series that much most of the time these are just industrial accidents or things go wrong and so the conflict comes from uh time and danger and tension of just we need to problem negligence solve. negligence yeah the, <laughs> gross a, 60s negligence gross 60s negligence and faith in atomic power that can't possibly go wrong it always does um but 
stories where all, like having a bad guy as a driver of conflict classic easy gets done all the time gets done very well it also gets done terribly but hey what there isn't a lot that actually has stuff which is devoid of a main antagonist the most recent one that comes to mind is the film the martian which is amazing is one of my favorite films it's incredible uh, like i watched the film then i read the book and i love the book even more because it has just more content of more problem solving there's no bad guy it's just the environment and the situations and the problems he solves to get through the situation which is what i love about the film um thunderbirds has like isn't quite to that grade of problem solving but it just has a lot of stuff where the drama comes from tension and time and will they get out in time not is the hood gonna shoot someone in the face sometimes he does shoot people though oh he does shows up my main memory of thunderbirds if i may share mine Hmm. is i had a vcr with about five to six episodes in it i think and they were usually the best and i also had the movie with the airship Mm-hmm. Yep, with that is Thunderbird Six. Do you have you had any experience with this, Claire? Uh, I've seen the sex scenes from Team America. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and there's this one episode of Absolutely Fabulous where Edwina like has toe surgery and she gets given these drugs and goes into a hallucinogenic state, and the blonde puppet is there to tell her that she's gonna die. <laughs> well, that's on brand for Lady Penelope in a way. <laughs> Is that Lady Penelope you're mentioning instead of telling? Yeah, I would. I wanted to say Money Penny, but I think that's James Bond. That Money is James Penny. Bond. Yeah, <laughs> there's someone in James Bond called Money Penny. Yeah, she's like the, the secretary f- sort who of. Who names women in the James Bond universe? Oh, uh, you mean the same people who named Octopussy? Yeah, but they, <laughs> yeah, just those. <laughs> a lot of vagina. <laughs> I yeah, always thought one. that was a porn parody, but apparently not. No, that's. <laughs> Which one is she from? Is she from like one of the? I Pierce think Boston a ones? lot of vaginas lost in powers. But oh yeah, that is. But it's not far. Yeah, off, not really. far. Yeah. Um, so those are the two reasons why I think some of it's stuck with me a bunch. There are launch sequences. There are lots of brightly colored, identifiable vehicles, and it has plot which isn't always beat the bad guy. It's get out in time. It's use your smarts. It's use these incredible machines and all this stuff to solve problems. Beat this industry negligence. Yeah, and uh, Thunderbirds often explicitly say, we're not about catching criminals. That's not what we do. We're here to save lives. We will uh, destroy as much equipment as possible, as necessary, to save lives. That said, I remember they murder a lot of people who commit crimes. Often by accident, but usually it's Often Lady. By accident. <laughs> Often it's Lady Penelope who does the murdering. They will okay. like they'll in some of the episodes I'll send you. Uh, they'll be like, okay, Scott and Virgil are on the way to solve the problem, um, and the criminals are getting away. And a character will be like, damn, I wish we could get them. And he goes, international rescue doesn't catch criminals. And then John will, uh, Jeff Tracy will go to his phone and go, hey, Lady P, mercenary for hire, can you go kill this fucker for me? And she'll go, absolutely. Is she actually a mercenary for hire? She is officially an agent of international rescue. I like to headcanon that she's like a former MI6 operative who has just retired uh, and is doing this for fun. She has a lot of resources for just a random person in the community. So Yeah. yeah. There's one episode where, which will actually be one of the ones that we watch, where um, she's interacting with a James Bond sort of spy. Um, and the spy's like, oh, you wouldn't believe the kind of things that we have to do in the spy business or danger around every corner. And she's just eating a meal going, mm-hmm, yeah, mm, gee, I wonder what that's like. Gosh, just like completely sassing him. All right. Um, the thing I'm looking, I think I'd be interested in is how much I relate 
a bit more to Lady Penelope now because as a young boy I didn't give a shit mm-hmm. to be honest which yeah. isn't great of me but that's I guess young boys but I remember in the movie she has this invention where she's like you can put or maybe it's not hurt someone else but he's got like the wardrobe that fits in the little like yeah. size yep. boxes and as a kid I was like who gives a shit that's like where <laughs> half of the drama comes from people trying to steal this stuff I'm like, who cares about the clothes and small things? And now I'm just like, God, I wish I had that. Mm. Oh, <laughs> wish we had invested in that. Small things. Yes. Oh, well. Small, small things. things. There you go. All right. Any, uh, you have a question, Claire? Oh, no. I just wanted to say that um, as a fixated person. Wait, no, that's a terrorist. <laughs> um, as a person with an interest in cyberpunk derivatives, I'm interested this in this as I think it's one of the sort of prime examples of atom punk. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it's also kind of what Venture Bros is based on, isn't it? Venture Bros is based off a lot of things um, yeah. from this time period. So Thunderbirds is part of it. Yeah. But I wouldn't say it's the main influence behind Venture Boys. Uh, oh, okay. It, it's from amongst that. So the the time period that Thunderbirds came from was the 1960s. It, it came out uh, in 1965 um, w- when they landed on the moon in 1969. So this nice. was during the peak of the space race where every single kid was like, holy shit, I know exactly what the Apollo uh, rocket looks like. It's all over the news all the time. Uh, racing the Soviets and all of this shit. Uh, pulp science fiction is a big part of it. There's even still the like vision of what tomorrow will be. So that's very much the the time period and environment that Thunderbirds has come from. Thunderbirds also had uh, a large amount of comics made of it in the lead up to the show premiering and then throughout its run, which I've gotten read and read through a couple. They often are very, like, in the pulp style. They're beautiful artwork, and they'll have people being way more acrobatic than the puppets could ever possibly be, and they're still really interesting and cool plots. There's one where they are building a railway underneath the Atlantic Ocean um, from continent to continent. Um, and, that, and like, that's the big thing that they're dealing with in that episode because something goes wrong with the construction and shit like that. It's funny you should mention that because I was watching a... Um video that was a compilation of like uh, retro adverts or documentaries or something and it was all about it was, all, it was like from the 40s to the 60s and it was about what the future was going to hold mm. in like the distant year 1990 <laughs> and I swear one of them was like there's going to be um, highways under the ocean or through the ocean or something like that and it was it was very what I assume Thunderbirds to be like it was very Jetsons mm-hmm. but also yeah. <laughs> if I remember correctly, there's a machine in Thunderbirds that literally just like it prints road almost. That like, was in the that was in there as well. Yeah. In like, the compilation. It just rolls along and like rolls out like it like road is a big fruit roll up around this thing and it just kind of rolls it out. Yeah, that's uh that's gonna be in one of the episodes we watch. Hey, um, I like that one. Yeah. Uh it makes me want dirt dessert because <laughs> of all the dirt effects. Yeah, yeah, it does look delicious. Um very wet and deserty. So you might want to explain for people who have never seen Thunderbirds before that this is entirely puppet and practical effects. So the genre like any good auteur, Jerry Anderson, the creator, invented his own genre to describe this called Super Marionation. Uh, which is a very fun thing. Uh every episode will start with the title cards filmed in Super Marionation. 
uh, and then a a power plant will explode behind it um, because they just had so many special effects on hand. Yeah, the show was made uh, using puppets. This was because Jerry Anderson always wanted to work in live-action television, but for whatever reasons, never managed to break into it because that was that was kind of the the A level um, of TV shows at the time, and he didn't have the budget or the prestige or anything to end up getting that done. So it was like next best thing is puppets. Problem was, puppets of the day were, and even now, are referred to as like a kids thing, and they're not very good quality. Uh, they're silly, they're uncomfortable, so they're usually used as like for comedic effect. Jerry Anderson specifically wanted to try and add a lot of realism into what he did and really pushed the limits on on adding realism to these puppets. There's a lot of techniques that he pioneered throughout this of designing more and more realistic looking puppets, uh, adding in a lot of small touches to try and make it look like a real lived-in place. Um, and Thunderbird wasn't the first show that he did. Uh, the first Super Marionation show is called Four Feather Falls. I don't know what that is. Then there is Supercar, which is like two dudes in a flying car and they go on adventures. Uh, there is Fireball XL5, which is the story of some rocket ship that flies around and does stuff. We have Stingray, which for a change is all underwater and all is submarines and shit like that flying around and blowing each other up. Then finally we got to Thunderbirds. Thunderbirds is kind of at the peak of the bell curve in terms of quality and popularity. After Thunderbirds, they did get technically better, but people kind of lost interest or they weren't as popular. He, as much as he put work into making them look realistic, he didn't really quite get there, did he? No, there, <laughs> no, he there was always their a faces big gap. don't move like at all, which I feel like is the thing that's missing. Um, this is a warning to anyone at home: if you're afraid of like, if you have like a I think it's called automatron phobia or something like that. Oh, I didn't know that was one. It's um, there's a phobia for things that are kind of like puppets. You're marked by the stranger. <laughs> yes, if you're marked by the stranger, I wouldn't watch this. Probably is there anyone else who shouldn't watch this? Um, for I'm not, any reason. I'm not sure about like phobia wise, but it is certainly a product of its time. Um, uh, if you really just glance over it, it's gonna be pretty normal and fine or whatever but if you spend more than a cursory glance you will find latent misogyny you will find latent racism uh you will find uh stuff which was considered the norm uh, in 60s programming lobotomies um, uh we have russians are always the bad guys or foreign sounding bad guys women who can't drive uh lots of guns and characters who aren't afraid to use them and for recreation woman people will be uh, smoking cigars and chugging brandy and that is what you do as what are you talking about claire <laughs> what are you referencing is that a bojack reference well i'm just talking about the 60s oh yeah they did lobotomize a lot of people you're right about that we did a lot of fucked up things in the 60s this is true i do remember when we had a board games night recently we played the thunderbirds board game and you were just like we would get like a cool looking vehicle out and you'd be like, oh, this is the one from the one where they kill all the African people. And I was just like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Like you just kept bringing up massively problematic stuff that just blew my mind. Um, that one in particular got me. <laughs> yeah, so that is was one of my favorite episodes as a kid called The Uninvited. And it was my favorite because it's the one where Thunderbird 1 gets shot down. Uh, and it's just a really interesting sequence. And it was cool to see that these vehicles that are flying around all over the place, they're not invincible. It doesn't take much to hit to hurt them. 
they're not combat craft they're rescue vehicles and so scott gets shot down in a desert seemingly out of nowhere and they're like shit is scott gonna die he's just trapped in the desert with a concussion um as the episode goes on they find the lost pyramid of commandities uh which secretly has a hyper advanced egyptian civilization hidden inside of it that's been there this whole time complete with surface to air missiles fighter jets and big tanks of uh hydrogen gas or something they get captured by them uh, and they're speaking what is probably a pretty offensive sounding language and when they escape uh scott in the ensuing firefight ends up shooting one of the fuel tanks they escape and the entire pyramid blows up assumedly killing all of them so they killed wakanda yes pretty much if wakanda was like does had a single gigantic fuel tank that if shot once would <laughs> result in <laughs> the genocide of an entire race of people there's interestingly enough um one of my kind of sort of current fixations it's on the way out is uh, a youtube channel called fascinating horror which covers a lot of i was watching that yesterday yeah, covers a lot of real life disasters and it's really good at kind of demonstrating we have this OHS because of this particular thing that happened. <laughs> because and of all these yeah, dead Victorian yes, children. Yes. You could get away with whatever the fuck you wanted, even like 40 years ago. Mm. Like, even back in the 1800s, you could literally do whatever the fuck you wanted, it sounded like. There's a bit where they crash two trains together for like fun, <laughs> and it kills like 100 people, and it's considered a roaring success. Like, no one cares <laughs> like, at all. Like, like <laughs> there's this fireball and a bunch of people get uh, killed by st- strapnel. Yes. And then a moment later, when everyone's over that, they just all run towards the train to grab a souvenir. Yeah, to grab a souvenir <laughs> and to take photos on it with, like, hundreds of people dead around them. And the the company did it as a publicity stunt and it worked. Their stocks skyrocketed. <laughs> Holy like, shit. Like, there was no backlash whatsoever. So, it's just phenomenal that was that's the 1800s even like the 60s though had some crazy shit going on in it where like people just didn't care well they were just giving people lsd and letting them jump out of windows and stuff they were like putting radiation like there's a there's this example of like i think this was 40s but like there's a nuclear processing facility that's meant to process nuclear waste and they put the waste and the material designed to neutralize the waste in an identical container oh oh yeah (laughs) the waste can't be shaken or it will kill you the material that neutralizes it must be shaken or it will kill you um so uh and they just put these like flimsy little tags on them um and a lot goes wrong in that situation (laughs) a lot of people die like in they also had this whole um, glow in the dark stuff that they used to put on like dials for fighter planes and all of that, mm-hmm. and they painted it on by hand, and it's got a whole bunch of women to like paint on. This I've heard of that one, yeah. Material. Oh, the radiant And they girls. were they were encouraging them because they thought it was like a miracle cure for everything. So they're like, lick the brush; it's good for you. Ugh. Like, and so <laughs> a lot of these women were like, "How come my jaw is made out of like honeycomb now?" Mm-hmm. And they're just like, "I don't know." <laughs> But the management was like wearing full body suits at this point, and they were like, "No, it's perfectly safe. Don't worry about it." Just a massive safety issues. That's the thing I remember about Thunderbirds as well. Is in retrospect, there's a lot of really dumb decisions made. Yeah. So like the in the original series, they have yeah accidents happen all the time. Uh, a lot of them are quite preventable, at least in hindsight. Um, 
the the remake that they've done in 2015 continues that kind of tradition but they do make it a bit more silly like they actually have some reoccurring quote-unquote villain characters who are just complete idiots uh and it uh but they don't tend to have anywhere near as a body counts as they used to there's the to my mind the highest casualty count in a thunderbirds episode is an entire commercial airliner hits the pacific ocean and everybody aboard dies and that's in the opening of the episode is like the cold opening the international rescue aren't even called to that one i don't know why like they were operating at the time it's not like a prequel or anything Look at these dead people it's it's the kind of thing of like the plane just went down there's actually a lot of things in thunderbirds where there's a convenient amount of time for them to get to the rescue operation with aircraft it usually takes like a couple minutes to hit the ground and kill a hundred people like there's not much that you can do in that time um but we'll have situations where uh the pilot episode of thunderbirds we have the fire flash a miracle nuclear powered airliner which can stay aloft for days at a time thanks to its nuclear engines unfortunately its radiation shields are only rated for like eight hours uh and so when the plane gets stuck when its landing gear is fucked up it's just circling the airport for eight hours and they're like we got to get this thing on the ground otherwise everybody aboard that plane is going to get radiation safety exposure which is insane Utterly. Yeah. Also, radiation shielding isn't rated for a certain amount of time. Like, it should yeah. just function. Um, and it's the kind of thing where they're, like, measuring it in seconds. Like, they do... Uh, they try and land, like, three times. And the first time, they're like, oh, that didn't work. Second time, they're like, we've got a couple minutes left on the clock. And then the third one is like, all right, it, they're done. We need to get on the ground in a couple of minutes or they're all going to be dead from exposure. Wait, where are they? There's all this radiation? Uh, this is a nuclear-powered aircraft. The shields only work for eight hours, uh, even though the plane is fueled to be in the air for days. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, there's so because there's one thing that never happens on aircraft is they never have they never have to circle the airport for hours at a time. That never occurs. <laughs> Thank God for that. Yes, because mm. <laughs> that happened. So there's a lot of very contrived situations. Is probably a good way of putting it. Yeah, and there's never. Every now and then, an episode will open and Scott will be like, okay, I'm just coming back from uh, Japan where there was an earthquake with a couple of thousand people, but we saved them all, and it happens off screen. Any actual rescue that happens on screen has one, two, or three people trapped, not like hundreds or thousands. Like They, they say that we assist with floods and volcanic eruptions, but we never see those because that would be too much budget for them to actually do, so they just do these hyper-specific situations. Which, to be fair, is kind of what they're trying to go for. The idea is the Thunderbirds are to be used when conventional rescue fails. Several times, they'll get a rescue call out and go, hmm, no, the local authorities can actually deal with this. You just need to evacuate people. The local foreman might be like, no, you've got to stop my plant from blowing up. And the International Rescue will reply, no, just evacuate people and let it blow up. We don't care. Like, people's lives are more important than your machinery. Get lost. Until one person goes inside the core, tries to fix it, gets trapped... And then International Rescue pulls themselves in. It's a lot of expenditure for what is often one to two people. Yes. Yes, like a lot. The Thunderbirds are like... Tell me about the Thunderbirds. Let's go with that. All right. I Someone mean, never hears about Thunderbirds. It probably doesn't cost as much as it took to save Matt Damon from Mars, to be fair. Oh, yeah. Probably not. Or Matt Damon from wherever Matt Damon is trapped today. 
<laughs> whatever, wherever he may be. Can we get a box set of Matt Damon is trapped? There will be <laughs> movies. I thought you were just talking about in real life, like he was just <laughs> trapped somewhere. He's just constantly getting trapped, and there's just a fund to like get him out of it. <laughs> he might be. I don't know what Matt Damon's like doing in, right he's now. He's in the forest with a bear trap around his leg, and he's like, "No!" <laughs> and then out of nowhere, Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. So the Thunderbirds themselves. Uh, they're all brightly colored machines and everybody has their favorites. Spoilers, it's one or two. Um, Thunderbird 1 is the high-speed rocket ship, uh, the rescue craft, which is meant to get to the danger zone super quickly, assess the situation, and then call back what they need and manage the rescue from an operational perspective. We then have Thunderbird 2, the big green transport aircraft. Both of these are hypersonic, but Thunderbird 1 is just more hypersonic. It's thick. Thunderbird 2 is a dummy thick girl. It's very dummy uh, thick. And we, and we love them for it. Uh, Thunderbird 2 uh, has a central cargo bay called a pod, which can detach. Uh, its launch sequence involves it cycling through like up to eight different pods. And it's, it's a great launch sequence because you'll watch these pods trundle by and go, which ones are going to pick this time? Oh, oh, it picked pod five. And then it descends, links up with the pod and then takes off. These pods contain all of the rescue equipment they use, which can consist of drilling mach- a drilling machine called the Mole, a bulldozer called the Firefly, and like 20 other vehicles that appear throughout the course of the series, including uh, one of the other Thunderbirds, which we'll get to in a second because we're going numerically here. Thunderbird 3 is the... Yep. I would like to interrupt you and to say that Thunderbird 3 is my favorite. So... Well, I guess I will accept uh, differences of, of opinion on this. Um, Three aesthetically is my favorite because it's a cooler one. <laughs> it is. It's yeah. a much cooler looking one. I get. I like. I guess so. Look at that. Um, I got them in front of us, and they just they look awesome. Like so, we'll get to what I think of the Thunderbirds in a moment. Okay. Um, Thunderbird Three is a red rocket ship. We will um, disregard what Joel says, and we'll get to. <laughs> we will disregard the opinion. We are not taking questions at this time. Uh, this is the lecture portion. Thunderbird 3 is a red rocket ship, uh, which is a central spire with three engines uh, located around the bottom of it. Um, technically, we do have kind of a motif. Thunderbird 1 has one main engine. Thunderbird 2 has two. Thunderbird 3 has three. Uh, and the next one is Thunderbird 4, uh, the small yellow submarine, uh, which is usually carried by Thunderbird 2 to the danger zone. Uh, it's used for all of the aquatic rescues. And then finally, we have Thunderbird 5, the space station. Uh, Thunderbird 5 is just up there to receive any and all radio communication signals possible on Earth, listen to them all, and filter them for radio signals, which are about rescues, uh, which they can do, apparently. Um, and it sits up there and doesn't do anything, at least in the original series. Uh, we had opinions on these Thunderbirds, Joel. Yes, we did. Well, we do. Mm-hmm. I do right now. Because I think, look, one is cool, but three does everything one does, correct? No, like in a pinch, it kind of can. Something that I do love, I'm a big fan of vertical takeoff aircraft. Thunderbird 1 can do that, Thunderbird 2 can do that. Three technically does, but it's a spaceship. It's very much vertical when it takes off. Yes, but it doesn't land horizontally. Like uh, It's a spacecraft. Yeah, well, yeah, it goes to space and comes back to space, but it's a rocket ship. Like, it does what a rocket ship does. It's still the cool in the description you miss the cool support structures which are like jagged coming off it oh yeah 
There's a like, there's a sick. It's got its skirt. It's wearing a black mini skirt. It it is wearing a black mini skirt. You, um, can, it's the slut of the Thunderbirds. How can you not like it? Uh, viewers, please uh, Google image search the Thunderbirds and come to your own conclusions about which is the hottest one. Just Google the slut of the Thunderbird series, and I guarantee you, you'll get Thunderbird <laughs> free. Maybe Thunderbird two. Yeah, I'm thinking Thunderbird two like because Thunderbird two has a lot of different stuff in it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You can really put things in Thunderbird. Yeah, Thun- Thunderbird Two is a oh. size queen if there ever was. If you could fuck a Thunderbird, if I could fuck a Thunderbird, which Thunderbird are you fucking? And we're talking like a kind of hu- almost humanized Transformers esque amphro version of a, fun- mm. of a Thunderbird. Which one would you fuck? Uh, so there's also th- many different versions of these Thunderbirds because we've had various remakes over the years. I think probably the movie verse Thunderbird One would be my first choice and then the original series thunderbird 2 why because uh, a re- movie thunderbird 1 actually went with the whole i'm a vertical takeoff aircraft and an, it has engines that pivot and swivel down it becomes a lot more s- sleek as a result uh i think that it it's also got wheels uh in its landing gear which normally just has like struts so it's slim trim and flexible it's slim trim and flexible because everything you just described is like a machine thing <laughs> well you're asking me to fuck a thunderbird joel okay. i've given you what you asked for all right sure original thunderbird 2 is just thick it looks like a boeing 747 it's got smooth lines uh and it's big it's big what about you claire i feel like you'd get arrested if you said thunderbird 4 <laughs> yeah okay. Thunderbird Probably. 4 is the Lolita of the Thunderbirds it is very yeah. much yes that so I I take it you're not saying 4 then no okay. you're not not saying 4 uh, wait what's that one over there uh, which, this one yeah this is movie verse Thunderbird 1 oh okay it's hmm. the one Goldie picked are you gonna fuck his girl you're gonna, you're gonna take my girl from me is that is that what you're doing Thin, trim, and flexible. <laughs> Apparently. Now I'm going to agree with Joel and go with Thunderbird 3. Yeah. You know what? Okay, that's fine. <laughs> um, good. Okay, so I'm also going to quickly tell you some fun this Thunderbird facts. This is not a facts. children's podcast, by the way. <laughs> no, this is not. We'll make that very this is, a, this is a children's we'll show. This is not a children's podcast. No. <laughs> um, so Thunderbirds, like I said, has had many iterations over the years. There was the original series in 1965, did two seasons worth. And it was going to get a third season, but the producers said, we need American funding to do a third season. The UK can't support us. So they went to all of the American networks and said, hey, do you want to get this show? You should outbid this other network. And they got all like eight networks all in a room trying to outbid each other. And then one of them went, nah, fuck this. And then the other five networks went, you know what? Yeah, fuck this. And it got canceled because the producer tried to out- get everyone to outbid each other. So that's why we don't have more original Thunderbirds. The next one that came along was two films, Thunderbirds Are Go in 66 and Thunderbird 6 in 1968. One's about the manned mission to Mars. The other one's about a sixth Thunderbird that they apparently need. Both are critical and commercial bombs. I love them both. They are still great. How was the, how was at least the one I remember the most, a critical bomb? That was, it was effectively just a Thunderbirds episode. That's, but longer. That's kind of the problem. They're both just Thunderbirds episodes. They're not really doing anything interesting that is worthy of being a film. They're just longer Thunderbirds episodes. So everyone's like, eh. Like I think that was that was the consensus. Um 
We then skip ahead to 1982 and get Thunderbird 2086, which in, is an anime, which in Japan was called Scientific Rescue Team Techno Voyager. That's such a Japanese name. It is. I'm actually, I'm unable to confirm whether or not this was a anime that got dubbed to become Thunderbirds, or if it is actually intended to be Thunderbirds from the ground up. It does seem to be, uh, considering the setup. It's set in the hyper future again. There's an international rescue organization with a whole bunch of rescue vehicles. Uh, this time, so you know how I was annoyed at people calling the pilots Thunderbirds? They don't call them that. They call them something worse. They call them... Bird Thunders. Nope. <laughs> Techno Voyagers. <laughs> oh my god. Really? <laughs> it is a portmanteau of technology, boy, and voyager. That's... Yeah, it is. But it sounds... <laughs> Uh, that is what they do in the Japanese. That in sounds the du- like something you could go to jail for listening to. <laughs> like saying out loud in the right place. This is a safe space and we support all techno- any self-identifying techno-voyagers. Um, in the dub, they were called Thunderbirds. The pilots were called Thunderbirds. So that's a black mark. Uh, a positive, though, is this show didn't just... Well, Thunderbirds 1, 2, and 3 were in it. Thunderbird 3, instead of being a spacecraft, was like a giant APC ground vehicle. Uh, for some reason, and the, these three Thunderbirds could combine into a super rocket, uh, which is just wonderful. Then, we don't stop it there. We don't have five Thunderbirds. We have 17. This was because all of the pod vehicles that they had, they decided to name as Thunderbirds. So they were like, oh, this calls for Thunderbird 13 to do this mission. Uh, I haven't looked up what they all are. I assume they're all wonderful little things. We then have the 2004 live-action Thunderbirds film. And as a kid, oh boy, I was hyped for this. We got redesigned Thunderbirds. It was live-action. The trailer looked awesome. We had a really good song by Busted called Thunderbirds Are Go. Look it up. It's it's really good. Um, unfortunately, this film sucks because it's basically Spy Kids with a different coat of paint. Um, How would that suck? Because Spy Kids is good and Thunderbirds is doing something very different to what Spy Kids is doing. Um... It was directed by the very competent Jonathan Frakes of Star Trek fame. In the Thunderbirds film, it was originally going to be directed by a Peter Hewitt, who did The Borrowers, Bill and Ted 2, and Garfield the movie. And he was going to get his friend Carrie Kirkpatrick, who did Hitchhiker's Guide, Chicken Run, and Over the Hedge. So we have wow, some... that's, a, that's a good pedigree. That, those are just the ones I picked. Both of these guys have got, like, very early 2000s movie. They just had them on lock. Uh, they've got... They know what they do. Um... Apparently, Peter was a big Thunderbirds fan and Carrie wasn't, but God bless him, Carrie watched all 32 episodes of the original series to get up to speed on this. And they came up with a plot about the Hood, the bad guy of Thunderbirds, stealing International Rescue's power core to power a device that would steal the Earth's gravity and send it to the moon. What? Uh. <laughs> Why? I don't know what the profit What's the end game? <laughs> This seems like a very like the Lex Luthor plot from Superman Returns, where he's like, "I'm going to make a continent and sell it as real estate," and everyone's like, "That's not how real estate works. It's just crystal. We can't sell that land." Uh, unfortunately, this uh, unfortunately this plot never came out because it kept going through like four different drafts and rewrites. It kept getting more and more different, further away from the. Thunderbird style. They kept getting more and more about the moon for some reason. <laughs> no less about the moon, my guess, and that's why they probably left. Uh, both of them left uh, also because they thought it wasn't going to play well in the USA. In stepped Jonathan Frakes, who famously never saw an episode of the show. I haven't 
been able to cite that fact myself to be fair um i just remember reading about it somewhere that he hadn't watched an episode uh so if i'm wrong about that then that's on me but it's a possible film the thunderbirds themselves look great lady penelope and parker are fantastic in the film and the only two characters don't really get butchered um but on the whole it's pretty forgettable the final one uh so we're gonna be watching episodes from the original series and this series i'm about to talk about was called thunderbirds are go you can call thunderbirds two different things thunderbirds or thunderbirds are go those are the only two titles that they seem to use this new series was made in from 2015 until 2020 uh with three seasons the special effects are done by Weta Workshop, the guys who did Lord of the Rings and District 9. Uh, so we have miniatures of sets, islands, and shit like that. So the characters themselves are CG. And this is a fantastic show. It nails the kind of aesthetic and style, the adventure kind of spirit of the original. It's shorter and sharper. The original series episodes are like 40 minutes. These are 20. Um, so it holds your attention span a bit better. After a bit of like weird lip-syncing issues in the early episodes, it does smooth out, um, and I think it's a wonderful, wonderful new show. It's got the big music, it's got the big transformation sequences, uh, it has these wild daring rescues, it has references to old episodes, I think it's a wonderful series. So we will be watching uh, two episodes of the original series, and I think I picked three episodes of the this sequel series. The episodes we'll be watching are, well actually, okay, so I was trying to narrow down the episodes of the original. There is Trapped in the Sky, the series pilot, where they have to rescue this atomic airliner uh, before the crew is exposed to radiation. That one I was going to pick. The other two to choose from are 30 Minutes Afternoon and End of the Road. Uh, End of the Road is a pretty cool one, which has the road uh, machine, which just spits out and 3D prints the road. The 30 Minutes Afternoon is kind of a darker episode, which is my personal favorite and has a whole bunch of stuff about a criminal conspiracy to destroy records of various criminal gangs and most of it like we do have uh it's not the most interesting tracy rescue the pod vehicle is kind of eh but we do have two different rescues in the episode and we have a lot of the thing which thunderbirds does very well where we will have show a puppet reaching for something and then cut away to a human hand actually grabbing it um this is a technique they use a lot throughout the show which i think is wonderful we even have a shot in this episode where through a perspective trick we have puppets seated around a table and the camera angled in such a way that we have a human hand in the foreground angrily like tapping a pen and in the mid to background we have the puppets implying like this continuity of scene that just makes me think of those youtube videos where they have like dogs with human hands it's a it's a bit like that yes all right. You can pick here, Claire, because I think I've seen both of them. Which one would you like to watch? Oh, I thought we were watching all of them. Are we watching all of them? Uh, no, so these ones uh, are each 40 minutes, so I was going to pick two of uh, the original series episodes and three of the new series episodes. Uh, just to, like, I would love you guys to watch all of them, okay. but time's time. So you can choose from the criminal conspiracy one or the road printing mountain, like, landslide sort of one. Which one has the weird hands? Uh, they both have weird hands in them. Every episode has weird hands in them. Oh, you said you like the road one the best, right? Yes, but that's not a good reason. You don't have to pick it for me. I'll pick the road one. All right, the road one it is. Cool. So we will be going with Trapped in the Sky and End of the Road. For the new the new series, the three episodes are Skyhook, which is an episode that actually showcases all five Thunderbirds. It is the first r- episode 
that features Thunderbird 5 in involved in rescues, not just like a support role or communication ship. It actually does stuff, which blew my mind watching this. I was like, holy shit, the the deep fandom of Thunderbird 5 stands finally have recognition. The Thunderbird 5 is really the cuck of the Thunderbirds. It, it is. It, it tells them, uh, it goes, oh, there's a cool rescue, and then they steal it from it. <laughs> and then it, it just watches everyone yeah. else do they it. Have, it has to sit up in space and watch all the other <laughs> Thunderbirds fuck these rescues. It's really... It's quite sad, really. Um, the next episode will be Recharge, where, uh, in a great display of hubris, humanity has built a power station in the North Pole, which absorbs energy from the Aurora Borealis, uh, concentrates this, and then feeds it off somewhere. This is a Sly Cooper villain as well. <laughs> does the same thing. Yes, keep going. Uh, the problem is that something's buggered up and it isn't discharging the energy anymore and is accumulating it. It will eventually explode, causing a rotation, a flip of the Earth's magnetic Good poles. Good lord, what is happening in there? <laughs> you can overlay this with the Aurora Borealis Simpsons scene. I do recommend. Um, the final one is called Colony, which I put on this list because something that the new series does is they really flex their muscles being like we are fully cg in some parts of this so we can do a lot more than what the original series did in this a spaceship is on its way to mars with a colony of families mars has already been landed on in the show at this point and but this is the first colony of families to go and live on mars and this ship has gone off course and is headed into an asteroid field so thunderbird 3 fan joel will love this episode because it's all thunderbird 3 oh yeah it's um, be a good one. Uh, it it is good. There was another one I was going to pick, which basically they do. Di- uh, um, what's Bruce Willis asteroid hitting the Earth? Uh, Armageddon? Armageddon. Armageddon. There's an episode where they basically do Armageddon. Um, uh, have Bruce Willis in it? No. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> you had to think about that for quite some time. Uh, you know, in Flight of the Concords, the band manager guy. He's like a New Zealand oh, yeah, actor. Him, yeah. Um, he is he plays a lot of like supporting characters in this new series um and he mostly plays a character called fishler who is a complete idiot of a man who doesn't believe in any safety procedures at all uh and he is a kind of reoccurring villain every now and then where he'll build a dumb thing and they have to solve it in the bruce willis uh episode he puts a rocket on a comet and they're like, why did you do that? And he's like, oh, so I can bring it into Earth so we can mine it. And he does it, and the asteroids, the comet stuff becomes an asteroid headed to Earth. And he's like, ah. What did he think would happen? Like, that's that was his plan, though. <laughs> like, he just said, so we could bring it into Earth to mine it. So it's going to hit Earth, right? Well, he was planning to get into, like, low Earth orbit <laughs> rather than... Has there ever been a competent Kiwi character? Ooh. A Kiwi one recently won uh rupaul's drag race australia is that a character though uh they they're a drag queen so the their queen persona is in some ways a character yes uh i, I haven't watched it but i think hunt for the wilder people i mean there's yeah, hunt, hunt for the wilder people that wasn't them. made by kiwis yeah it was made by uh it was takai wakiki right? yeah i'm talking about has there ever been a competent kiwi character in something that wasn't made by kiwis oh, oh it right. wasn't oh wasn't made by kiwis i'm sure there has been now, that's your extra homework, Claire. Um, see if find you can find a competent, a compet- uh, externally made competent Kiwi character. I'm sure we can figure. Oh, Sniper TF2. 
He's oh, Australian. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's not Australian. He's what? Kiwi. Yeah. He is? Oh, that's, wow. That's a law. Sorry, spoilers for <laughs> TF2. <laughs> Once again, Australia spoilers steals for, from New Zealand. <laughs> spoilers for uh, a computer game comic series. The deep lore of TF2. But it's no, pretty deep. According to the law of TF2, because in TF2 law, Australians are completely jacked. Like they're huge, and ultra smart. competent, and smart, and all but, mustachioed. But he's not like that because he's from New Zealand. He's adopted oh. by Australian <laughs> parents. Um, and New Zealand is flooded. It's under the ocean. It's basically Atlantis. It's Atlantis. So he was sent like Superman to I thought, Australia. Uh, Superman. <laughs> I thought I'd seen all the TF2 comics. I got to find this one. That is, you've missed heaps. If you don't know that, you've missed heaps of TF2 comics. Jeez, God. Once again, Australia steals from New Zealand yes, and claims it as their own. God bless does. us. Okay. Shall we shall we do this one then? Should we go and hyperfixate for a little bit and yep. come on back? Yep. Okay, cool. So for those playing at home, uh, go ahead and watch the Thunderbirds original series episodes Trapped in the Sky and End of the Road. Then from the Thunderbirds Are Go new series, watch Skyhook, Recharge, and Colony. Uh, have a watch of those and we will see you back here to see what everybody thinks. We're not going to tell you how to watch them. You need to figure that one out. So, uh, through look, we do not care how you watch them, but don't steal anything through the invisible uh, hand <laughs> of the free internet. Yes, uh, see what you can find uh, to watch. I don't these. think we can encourage people to steal things. <laughs> I'm not encouraging to steal. Uh, th- these are good. ITV s- seems to hold the brand pretty nicely. Right, so uh, there, it's on some. Uh, ITV would probably have a streaming service for these if you live in the UK or have a VPN. Um, and there are DVD box sets of these available everywhere. There are DVD box sets. Wonderful. Okay, cool. Let's go do it then. Hi, everyone. Quick edit. I misspoke with the episodes we were going to watch. We are actually watching from the original series of Thunderbirds 1965, Trapped in the Sky and End of the Road. Then for Thunderbirds Are Go, the 2015 show, we're watching Skyhook, Recharge, Colony, and Touch and Go. All right, continue. All right, uh, so we've now reconvened after watching all uh, one, two, three, four, five, six episodes. I lied earlier in the podcast and said it was only <laughs> going to be five. Haha, ha, that was a goof. Um, but yeah, we've all seen seen each of them. What are your impressions overall of the of both both series? Well, Joel, yes, I'll start off. Why not? So the first one, as I kind of mentioned, is not particularly new to me, but I found um, the. Comparative to the old, watching the old series and then watching the new series was a bit of a whiplash effect because of how different their pacing is. Absolutely, yeah. Like the new one is blisteringly quick, and I'm not entirely sure I liked that about mm. it. I really enjoyed how slow Thunderbirds original is. Yeah, like I picked episodes from the new series that weren't like some of the first ones that they put out because it's even worse in the earlier episodes. It's to the point that characters are. Like having a casual conversation, and they're not uh, making any attempt to be uh, quick or hurried in their dialogue, but they are still clipping over each other and treading on each other's words. They they got better at it as they went on, but it is still a frantic series. It's a breakneck pace of everything, and I'm not entirely sure it suits the series very well. Mm. But, yeah, but it was a big nostalgic blast for me. I love Thunderbirds. I mean, this was never in question to be something I was going to enjoy. Mm. What about you, Claire? Overall feelings? Hmm. It reminded me of Lost in Space. <laughs> that was my yep. main that was my main takeaway. Both in terms of 
the um so is this like well, the original I, lost in space I've no i haven't it. i haven't actually I've, I've seen like some scenes from the original lost in space but i've only seen the reboot right so the reboot reminded me of the reboot of lost in space and oh, okay. i think also the original lost in space and the original thunderbirds were also made around the same time so if mm. you reboot shows made around that time now Surprise, surprise, they're very, they have a very similar vibe. Yeah, you probably, you kind of have to, the translation is similar because it's like, okay, we can't be misogynistic to women anymore. How, what do we do? Let's <laughs> do we let's do? gender bend a couple of people. We're, hope- <laughs> We're hopelessly inept at <laughs> figuring out what to do with women. Wait, so. who got gender bended in uh, Thunderbirds? Uh... I think some people got race bended. They didn't get gender bended though. Race bended. Uh, so someone who did get gender bent was Colonel Casey, who someone I don't think appeared in the episodes. Like they mentioned the GDF a couple of times in a new one, and that's like the World Military Police. Um, Colonel Casey appeared in like one episode of the original Thunderbirds, and he was just an old white guy general. Um, in the new one, uh, she's a person of color uh, woman, um, and she's exactly the same character. She turns up a fair bit to be like. Tracy's, why are you making our job difficult? Or thank you for saving the day, Tracy's. Um, so she got gender bent. Uh, and then KO also got super promoted from random girl on the island who just hangs out and Alan has a crush on to super cool secret agent badass who Alan has a crush on. Because Tintin and KO are meant to be... Correct. The same person. Diverge, even, why did they just call them Tintin then? Because they couldn't get the rights. Oh, oh. yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yep. you, told, you explained that. <laughs> A month in ago. In part one. Where we recorded no, from earlier today. Oh, yeah. Not I don't a month think ago. we should we bother to keep that up. <laughs> I think a lot of what we're doing will make a lot more sense to people if no, that time is We jacked into the, the internet and you absorbed all six episodes in the last five seconds. <laughs> yes, all right. Fair enough. But yeah, the re- rebooted um, <clears throat> Thunderbirds, it basically felt almost like it felt like... Uh, the reboot of Lost in Space, but only aimed at a younger demographic, because mm-hmm. they're both about like solving problems with science and plucky adventurers who are primarily white and American, but they've tried to fix that a bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. um, uh, families doing family things and mm. uh, that kind of stuff. I robots, did- funny robots doing funny things. Yep. There was a lot in of space. I did appreciate the addition of weird, funny robot in the new <laughs> one. I thought that was fun. I also thought the decision to make um, Brains Indian was... I appreciated that. I think it's nice to see a smart Indian character. I mean, have you yeah. ever been on YouTube? Of course they're smart. Yes, I could. It's there a lot. But I mean, as an Anglo-Indian person myself, I don't often see a lot of the more advanced parts of India represented. Right. Okay, that's a, cool. Because it's a very strong engineering country. <clears throat> well, I work in IT, so of course yeah. you're going to have an Indian IT guy. Yes. That's the thing. There's a lot of Indians in IT and in engineering because they're very good at it. Like, mm. But that's never... If anything, that seems to often be played as some kind of bad thing. Like yeah, it is, it is being the butt of jokes a lot of yes. the time of, oh, I called up IT, I got this Indian person I can't <laughs> understand. But da 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 which is, is a joke. weird thing to make a joke out of. Like these, this particular group of people are very good at a vital part of our society. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Like you can somehow still turn that into a bad thing. Yeah, no, you yeah. can tease anyone for any. Well, it's the same thing as in high school. If the smart kid gets teased, yes. despite being qualitatively <laughs> better than the rest of yeah. them, 
Yeah. I like that they gave him a speech impediment. So he always had uh, a speech impediment. In the original series, he had Brains is famous for having a stutter. Um, and I I don't know that many people with particularly strong stutters like Brains, is, uh, Brains has always had. And so uh, I've often been confused as to whether this is an accurate representation of how a stutter works on, works with folks. Like uh, some people, like I've heard criticism sometimes of that's not how stuttering works. You would, it's particular syllables that people struggle with or the start or the end of a sentence or something like that. Um, I don't really know the mechanics of it. Um, as far as I can tell, Brain sounds like, yeah, he has a pretty legitimate <laughs> sounding stutter, at least in the, the reboot. Um, I'm not too sure about the original series. No. Brain really wigged me out, though, because his forehead was so huge. Yeah. It's disturbing. Particularly on his puppet. Like, the puppet version of Brains is a weird, mm. It weird is the quintessential nerd. Yes, it his is. brain is so big that it literally is engorged his head. But it is, his brain was so big, but his chin was so... I can't tell if it was an average chin or a small chin because, like, his brain, his forehead was so big that it's hard to, like, figure it out mm. relatively. But then all the Tracys have these massive chins. <laughs> And it's it's like it's like a caste system. If you got the big forehead, you're tech guy. If you got the big chin, you're yep, the hero. No, that, yeah, that but makes sense. That's just that's just the way of the world. I mean, it's more of a dynasty than a caste system. You can have yeah. both. It was almost Brains' head is big to almost that point of that kind of meme template of the dude with <laughs> the giant brain. Mm. Like it, that's how ludicrously big his forehead is. It's ridiculous. Um, as far as the new series goes, Brains gets a lot of feature episodes. Um, this isn't even like... Uh, this is kind of like a half... There's like featuring Brains, but there's other ones where like he is the core person who has to do everything. Uh, so he gets... Uh, pretty much every character in the new series gets a big... At least one big screen time episode of them. Yeah. Grandma gets at least two. Well, I want to watch the Grandma episodes. Yeah. Um, there's like... There was one really cool bit in one of the episodes where London, a big blackout hits London because there's a bunch of terrorists called Luddites who are trying to destroy all technology and return return to Earth kind of thing. And caps of polio. Yeah. Um, and uh, Grandma's gone along with Wait, Virgil. No. And Prim, hmm? sorry. No. Uh, <laughs> Grandma's gone along with Virgil to help out and like all of Virgil's gadgets aren't working because the EMP blew everything out. Um, and she does a little bit of the like... Oh, your newfangled tech, you need to, like, good old hard work and everything. Um, and then they're walking along the tunnel, and Virgil cracks a glow lantern um, and, like, uses it to illuminate. She's like, what? I thought all your gadgets didn't work. He goes, no, this is chemical. It's, like, this isn't electrical. It's chemical. She's like, that's what I like about you, Virgil. You're resourceful, and you use a whole bunch of different stuff to solve problems. You're not just reliant on one thing. You use anything you've got. And he's like, thanks, Grandma. Virgil's such a sick name. I did like in the um, one of the original episodes we watched that Grandma effectively hooked Alan up with Tintin. Oh, yeah. but she did it through like manipulation. Yeah, really, just strange manipulation. Yeah. And Alan's just like at the end of. We'll get that to maybe when we cover episodes if mm. we're going to do episodes individually. But it's um. Uh, as far as the names of at least all the Tracy brothers, they are named after astronauts at the time because oh, cool. original series Thunderbirds is all about the space age. Um, I'd need to double check, but I'm pretty sure that they're named after astronauts who had passed away. Imagine imagine being named Virgil and being an astronaut. Yeah. Well, he's he's the son of an astronaut. Yes. Uh, Jeff Tracy in all canons is famously like one of the 
first big cool time astronauts, which is where he got his money, which is where he set up International Rescue from. Because everyone knows being an astronaut is one of the most profitable things. You yeah, can. absolutely. Yeah, I, I enough to buy a that. private yeah, island yeah, 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 yeah. and outfit it with five of the most advanced machines that on man has planet. ever known. <laughs> uh, There's a really cool, like in a bunch of the extra books that have come out in the last like 10, 15 years, uh, like new cross-section books of them. It's the, uh, the new tech manual ones where it's like, done in the style of a car owner's manual um in the thunderbirds one of those they added in this kind of little backstory for each of the thunderbirds that jeff tracy had uh had fingers in a whole bunch of the aerospace industry and thunderbird 2 was a prototype u.s heavy lift cargo aircraft for the air force but uh while it's being built there he like pays off the engineers to say oh it's not actually working it's running over budget you should cancel this program i'll take the prototype it's fine <laughs> and like it goes to a warehouse then mysteriously disappears and then years later thunderbird 2 starts flying around and the it was a highly classified program so there's only like a small handful of people that ever knew what thunderbird 2 the the u.s aircraft ship looked like and so they when they see thunderbird 2 on the news they're like hmm, hmm. so he basically stole from the u.s government Kind of, yeah. I appreciate that. Um, it said that the reason how he gets everything done, and I actually mentioned in one of the episodes that he orders everything through a million subcontractors. So he'll be like, I need a rotor fan blade that's this size and this make. And they're like, yeah, all right. And then they send it there. Like, okay, we'll plug that into Thunderbird 2. I need a uh, aileron that is these dimensions. And they're like, yeah, all right. I mean, I don't know why you'd need one that big, but sure. And so nobody knows what he's building, and that's how they can put it all together. What's he building in there? We deserve to know. We deserve to know. We have a right to know. Well, they didn't at the end of the day, I guess. One thing I did want to point out quickly, leaping back to brains. I, I enjoyed the original series so much that I watched Thunderbird 6, which is my favorite Thunderbirds thing <laughs> on my own time. And they treat brains like fucking garbage yeah. in that. Like, out, out of trash. He builds, like, the biggest luxury fucking airship in the world and he's not allowed to actually go on it <laughs> like at all he just has to sit and then he, they're like make Thunderbird 6 he's like well, okay what should it do and it's just like know. I don't know just build it and then every time he builds something he's like this is shit this isn't what I wanted at all <laughs> I, like I haven't watched Thunderbird 6 in a long time but I do remember that I, I'm glad that you checked because I had the impression of He's literally just like frothing at the mouth behind yes. his desk. If he's we need a new Thunderbird, and he's like, "Okay, but like they're all designed specifically for a role. We've got a spaceship, a cargo, a fast response, a submarine, a satellite. Like, what? What is this role yep. that you're thinking of? That no, we just need back on. Yes, we just need another one. Because there's no, because Brains does bring that up. He's like, "What are we missing here? He does spend most of the movie just mumbling to himself and smashing prototypes that he's built." <laughs> Like, just throwing them around his workshop. That mm. is just terrible. I feel like that's pretty common across sci-fi that engineers get treated like shit. <laughs> yeah, mm. I'd say that Brains is probably, like, the biggest suffering one. Like, yes. at least in Star Trek, while they are given impossible tasks, they are then showered with glory when they achieve them. Brains often isn't. Uh, in fact, like, in Thunderbird 6, he's recounting, they're like, man, I just came back from the board meeting. I, I fucking hate this. I, I, I feel really terrible. And they're like, Brains, what happened? Like, well, I went to the board meeting. I told them that I wanted to build an airship. And what they say? Well, then they laughed in my face for like 20 minutes in these really <laughs> creepy looking puppets. <laughs> they did as well. <laughs> and like, they just screamed at my face and like threw shit at me. It was terrible. And then Jeff was like, yeah, I know. But then they built it. Yeah, they actually and then were... it cuts to the aircraft <laughs> and it's awesome. <laughs> 
they actually just built it after mocking him viciously for 20 minutes. Like, yeah, right. we'll go ahead and we'll build it now. That said, uh, in terms of hard done by engineers, um, oh, who was the Voyager engineer? Balana. Balana had to date Tom Paris, so <laughs> that's pretty hard. I mean, he was demoted like twice in the series. <laughs> Uh, and while it did I mean, work out for them and they did appreciate each other, yes, Tom is probably the least dateable of the Voyager crew. <laughs> it's been a while since I've watched Voyager, but I remember him being pretty supportive of her a lot of the time. I, I have like seen some she's... of the later episodes and yeah, he he does grow into being a very good husband. Yeah. But it was yeah. a joke, but it was <laughs> not meant to be dissected quite this much. I mean, if we're talking about long-suffering Star Trek engineers, it's obviously O'Brien that takes the cake. It's got to be O'Brien. Yeah, but he gets off on it. Like, they explicitly say, uh, uh, they're like, hey, hey, O'Brien, don't you miss the Enterprise? How it was all clean and everything worked? And he's like, no, I hated it there. There was nothing to do. I was bored shitless. Here I wake up and three things blow up in my face. It's great. I love this shit. Fair enough. It's like, he'll be like, I got I, I can only get this done in three months. And then Cisco will be like, you have three hours. <laughs> I think uh, O'Brien is the long-suffering engineer, but not because he's an engineer, because we have the O'Brien Suffers episodes. But that's probably for a Deep Space Nine episode anyway. Quite possibly. I haven't seen Deep Space Nine, so I can't really comment um, too much depth. But all right, yeah, let's go through uh, each episode. Um, I guess, yeah. Uh, yeah, so the first episode, Trapped in the Sky, um, uh, the atomic airliner Fire Flash is a bomb strapped to his undercarriage by the hood, the villain of the piece preventing it from landing. International Rescue deploys on its first ever mission using elevator cars for the plane to land on while Lady Penelope and Parker chase the hood away. Uh, spoilers for anyone who <coughs> wants to watch these episodes. Uh, that's your spoiler warning. Uh, <laughs> we say after we describe the plot of yes. the entire episode. I'm pretty sure by the point of this podcast, people should be aware that we will be spoiling things. I think there should just be... I am tempted to just not even give one because it's so obvious that we will be doing that. But. Yeah. Just keeping that in mind. Um, this, this generally, the intro to Thunderbirds is great when it like it has that like video color, like presenting video color, and then the entire base just blows up for no reason. <laughs> yeah, that's in that every sick. episode. It's the best. It was awesome. Um, also, is the hood magic? Yes. Why? Because he's Asian. Because he's Asian. Yes. Like at the beginning, where he he revealed. For someone who doesn't care much about his brother, he has a full-size statue of him cast out of a valuable medal. <laughs> and then somehow psychically manipulates him into trying to tell him all about the... And he never does it again. I think like, he, he tries it, it once. I think he does it a couple of times throughout the series. Yeah. Um, like, Kirano is a bit of a security risk for that reason. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, he, he, is, he is magic. He has the ability... He has, like, generic psychic abilities to, like tell someone to do something or like make them pass out every now and then um uh and his eyes glow uh and <laughs> he does all of this because he's asian this is this is okay. like fu manchu kind of okay. villain the original mandarin kind of stuff because it was that threw me i don't remember any of that <laughs> um when he was like psychically mind melding with his brother to be like just tell me everything about it but why didn't he try that before or consistently if he just kept doing that I'm sure eventually he would get what he wanted, right? Mm, mm. It's fucking. He didn't seem to take anything out of the hood when he did it. He just got frustrated and gave up. He did. He also never wears a hood. Yeah, I don't know why he's called the hood. Okay. Is there any other magic in Thunderbirds, or is it just the hood? Uh 
No, that's it. There's aliens in the movie, isn't there? Yes, there are rock snake aliens on Mars. Yes. Uh, which the first contact, like it's uh, it's assumed they're unintelligent, uh, and they blow up a ton of them. Yes, they do. Uh, um. And if... So, in the first Thunderbirds movie, again, called Thunderbirds Argo, because there's only two titles, and we use them, and we recycle them. Uh, the first Thunderbirds movie, they went to Mars um, in a spaceship called the Zero X. The Zero X appears in Captain Scarlet, the Jerry Anderson TV show that came mm-hmm. after Thunderbirds. Uh, they reuse a lot of models between the two shows, um, and you can pretty... I'm not sure if it's explicit canon, but it's kind of assumed that Captain Scarlet is effectively a sequel to Thunderbirds. Uh, the Zero X spacecraft is still in service. Uh, a bunch of other shit and a bunch of the other models get reused. So it's assumed that, like, in 20 years or so, International Rescue kind of solves, or like the there's the, there's kind of a rough period in tech design which International Rescue is used for, and then afterwards just kind of fades away. And then they have a war with the Mysterons, another Martian race that exists. Okay, that's sounds wild. That also is a little bit disappointing because one of the things I really liked about the original series was how optimistic it is and how nice it is. Hmm. Like, they're always just... Half these episodes, they spend relaxing on an island and just having a fun time. Yeah. And it really shows it was made in the 60s because no one is ever particularly bothered about anything. Mm -hmm. Like, no one ever thinks that things are going to work out for the worst. In the future, we'll have solved everything is the idea. Whereas the current... The new series was a bit harder for me to watch. Or I guess a little less escapism me for me to watch because there's an episode where we watch where literally they just wear they're worn down by everything that's going wrong and they just have like mm. glottic fatigue which is a bit too relatable nowadays yeah know. like uh just with it was something that uh it worked it's fine in the original series but the idea of having an international rescue organization with only five guys uh and and a handful of others uh is just it like Argo does kind of make the point of it's a bit silly that there's only this many people like you could just build more of these uh and recruit more people uh and and funnily enough that's what they do in the Japanese one they just decide you know what this is a really good formula we should use more than just five brothers (laughs) we should just open recruitment and build shit shit tons of these and one of them's like 12 or something uh in the Japanese one no in um the reboot uh yeah Alan's he's he seems to be like 16 or i think he's like a teenager he's a teenager definitely uh and they're like yep this this kid is an idiot and we all hate him but he is also an incredibly qualified and responsible astronaut uh those are the two things that alan is it's (laughs) always that one voice actor Hmm? when like as soon as like as soon as i put the first episode or the first reboot episode on it was like, oh yeah, there's that voice actor again that always plays those annoying teenage boys. Okay, I didn't know. Uh, I didn't pick up him as being from anything, but we'll have to check it out and see who I that don't was. even know what he's from. I just, that was just the immediate, I couldn't like name any other character, but that was the first thought that came into my head. Mm-hmm. All right. I was like, yep, we're definitely in the 21st century now. Um, so yeah, I guess Alan is strange in that he's the most characterized tracy which i don't remember that being the case that he's he's the one that all usually has something to do across both series because mm. you've got virgil who and scott 
who are both just ultra competent. And then you've got who who's Thunderbird fours? Four is Gordon. Gordon. You never see Gordon. Mm-hmm. Um so Alan seems to be the one who gets because in the original he's he wants to date Tintin. Gordon. Not Gordon, Alan. Yeah, Alan. Because so, Alan's the one who gets the most. And then in three and the new one, Alan is kind of that insecure-ish kind of little brother sort of figure. Mm-hmm. But I never remember remembering much about Alan. Like, and it might be because Free never gets used very much. Yeah, Free doesn't get used a whole lot. And uh, the only reason that Alan ever got that kind of stuff in the original is because he's the only character who had kind of uh, some sort of conflict, uh, some sort of insecurity. Everybody else was, yeah, just hyper-confident. perfect. Yeah, they're like, like okay, the, the, would, uh, so when episodes came around where they're like, oh, we need some sort of interpersonal conflict with one of the Tracys, but they're all ubermensch. Who do we... Oh, Alan. He's he's the one who kind of has some demons that we can go into. Some kind of personal stake to develop other than yeah. I am exceptionally good at what I do and I pilot a really cool ship. And that's something I think that the new, that the reboot does kind of do more effectively. It does give everyone a little bit more to work with. It did. In... So in one of the other ones we watched, Recharge, we see Scott kind of buckling under the pressure of trying to live up to his dad uh, and and doing the whole, like, no, I've got to kill myself to save everyone. And everyone going, calm down, mate. You Like, we're in this together. Um, I interpreted that as Virgil being ultra-responsible and Scott being an idiot. But yeah, that, yeah I mean, he that's, is definitely an idiot. That's, yeah. that's and, it, too. And um, these are the people who stand between us and... Oh, Borealis Meltdown. Yeah, yep. We'll get to famine. that. <laughs> yes. uh, so, yeah, let's keep going through uh, Trapped in the Sky. Yeah. Um, I, what My first thought when I was watching it is that the sets were actually really good. They are. They yeah. are exceptional. It's a real case for not computer generating things and just building things that are real. Because mm-hmm. even by today's standards, the sets look incredible. If it wasn't for the marionettes, this would still look incredible, I mm. would say. They do a lot of really good work with uh, the outdoor shots of like uh, perspective tricks yeah. of like really detailed buildings, but putting them kind of smaller in the background. Mm-hmm. Like if you look at this at like the shots mm-hmm. of the fire flash landed from any other angle, it'll look terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, but Thunderbirds also was uh, the TV show which invented the rolling runway special effect mm-hmm. of when fire flash is rolling down the runway and uh, it's going past miles and miles of runway and the sky is mm-hmm. pulling back behind it. That's two rollers. Mm. with like tapestry stuck to them yeah. thunderbirds invented that uh and it got used for a lot of special effects beyond that and people looked at that and went holy shit did you just build a giant runway how did you do that and they're like well no we did this that's cool claire can i ask you a question yeah because as a young lad watching a machine like this that worked like you would expect a machine like that to work with like the thrusters was the coolest thing in the world what did you think of all that wait what sorry because they all used like legitimate like fire to like take off and all of that all their thrusters were like actual thruster oh, kind of stuff that is impressive I've, did you notice were there, that were there ever any like accidents on set for this show uh not that i know nothing super significant something that was a bit of a struggle for them though was because they use actual rocket motors to do those special effects on the thunderbirds um they had a lot of difficulty sourcing a rocket engine that didn't deliver any thrust um, because they need to be able to like move the model where they want it. If they use an actual rocket, the thing would just blow itself <laughs> apart and fly away. So they had to design a rocket that looked like it was spewing flame and smoke, but actually wasn't pushing at all. No. Um, uh, every now and then in a shot or two, I'll see that like some of the uh, surrounding underbrush has like, kind of caught fire a little bit, but mm. then the shot changes. Um, 
I imagine they probably would have fucked up every now and then, but nothing significant that it's ever come up that I've read. The studio never burned down then. Yeah. In fact, the studio only recently got demolished in like five, six years ago, and they went and filmed a bunch of stuff in it before it, it did. Mm. Yeah, because they Wallace and Gromit studio burnt down. They lost Wallace and Gromit. No, oh. they didn't. They didn't lose Wallace and Gromit because they were on a tour. But they lost everything else. Holy shit! Um, I think it was Wallace and Gromit. It was one of the claymation things. I'm pretty sure it was Wallace and Gromit. Okay, but yeah, it was fucked. Um, so just kind of go. So Hood tries to psychically interrogate his brother. It doesn't really work. Um, I like how. Um, what's the brother's name again? Uh, Kirana. I like how he was like talking with uh, the daddy Tracy and he was just like, you're the finest man I've ever known. Yes. And the other one's just like, oh, you're the loyalist. <laughs> you're the most subservient minority I've ever seen. <laughs> now, where's my mojito? Yes. Why are you here exactly? <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, it was definitely, we started off with the most racism I think you possibly could have. <laughs> it really set the tone. Um, so they basically... The Hood's plan here is not necessarily to blow up the the aircraft necessarily. It just wants to create... He just wants to create an incentive for international rescue to come and land so we can take photos yeah. to get pictures of Spider-Man. Yeah, much. pictures of Spider-Man. Yeah. And that... That happens throughout many different episodes. Um, yes. He'll sabotage something just to draw them out and then go like, all right, you guys, I don't care what happens to anyone. I just want pictures yeah. of Spider-Man. Yeah. So it's pretty much... This bomb looks like the stupidest bomb I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. It's not just the bomb itself, but the fact that it's clearly duct taped with like regular duct tape really stands out. Mm-hmm. Like, can this guy can build a bomb, but he can't get a way to secure it to the undercarriage with anything even that's not like duct tape like because it looks like masking tape it's, like yeah that's it it's not tape. even duct tape it's it was masking duct tape, tape. It would be fine no uh, it's just the shit it's like four strands of masking tape it's, <laughs> it's like that'll do it's the four strands that's <laughs> at the help. end of the roll like yeah, he, only, he had a half used roll and he like did it it's like ah oh, that'd be enough he like he planned everything meticulously and he was about to leave the house saying, oh, I need something to put it on. And he went through his drawers and pulled out the fucking worst <laughs> masking tape, like duct tape shit he could find. And it was like, this will do. It'll hold. God, it was ridiculous that was. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. This is a British show, right? Yes, famously. But all the famously. heroes are American. Yes, famously. Because you can only be heroic if you're american sort of uh the uh, a big thing about this show was that they were worried it wouldn't sell international and they needed a lot of tv shows i guess of the era needed american viewership to make them profitable um so in order to try and sell it more to an american audience yeah all the tracy brothers are american uh the voice actor who plays scott is actually australian um uh but yeah it's a ton of american characters uh throughout the show um yeah a c- completely uh british production that uh they'll never let you forget it but yeah they tried to make all of the uh, as much of it like america friendly as possible so that it would get into the american market hmm. one thing i do like about this particular episode is how often they allude to the aircraft being perfectly safe and amazing and it would be a shame <laughs> if anything ever happened to it um it's they're really i don't know what they were asking for 
But I think there's a bit where the... I think it's Tracy. It might be Tracy or it might be the air stewardess who's who informs Tintin, like, you'll be flying on this extra experimental aircraft, which you'd think you'd know before you boarded it. Like, because she only gets told she's flying in it at, like, when she's in the boarding terminal. I remember the exchange as well. Um, uh, The stewardess is like, you'll be flying on Fireflash. Tintin replies, oh, that's the one that flies at five times the speed of sound. Uh, (laughs) As if, like, she's excited to go on it. And then the stewardess replies, yes, but don't worry. It's perfectly safe. And I want Tintin to then go, I didn't ask that. Why would you say that? It then I was happy with cuts. this until you said that. It immediately hard cuts to the bomb after she <laughs> says that as well. It's like, it's immediate. It's perfectly safe. <laughs> bomb in the undercarriage. But it's, if I was going to be boarding an aircraft five times the speed of sound, I would like to know before I did. And yeah. also, how are you able to go five times the speed of sound and still have a bar that you can walk freely around? That mm. was a really nice plane. Yeah, mm. every that's the kind of what I'm trying to get at. Everything about the setting is nice. There's nothing about it which is bad. Everything just has space and alcohol everywhere, <laughs> and just everything. You may now walk around the cabin and smoke. Everything is luxury. Everyone takes their time. No one seems particularly bothered by anything until a bomb gets strapped to a plane or something like that. Mm. And even then, everyone was like fairly calm. Yes. Yeah, so I guess they can't really panic that much without looking like a bad team America. Yeah, there's there's no crowd shots in Thunderbirds, no. at least with the puppets. You you cannot make a convincing crowd shot of puppets. They also never tell the people on the plane that anything is wrong. At any point. I was waiting for it. Cause I know mm. this because I was waiting to note it. I'm like, when are they going? There's even a point where they're like, we're going to have to tell them. And he's like, I hate this. I was dreading doing this. And he goes... I'm sorry, we're not going to be able to land for another 30 minutes and turns the intercom <laughs> off. And that's like all he says. And I'm just like... It's just... Utterly... And they're like, they're taking runs at trying to land. And they don't. And every time they do, they cut to the inside like, oh, he must be having trouble landing. Oh, well. <laughs> like, even when... It's not until they actually like touch down on some shit. Like, oh, maybe something's not one hundred percent right yeah. about this. Well, like, because they're uh, also like uh, the the bar is inside the wing. Uh, what? You, you can see on the model that on yeah. the leading edge of the wing, uh, there's like these glass uh, bits. When Tintin and the others are looking to the front of the aircraft, that's where they are. They're sitting inside yes. of the wing. Um, that's why you can see to the right of the screen uh, the fuselage and the nose cone of it yeah. all. And the, the pilots themselves are sitting in the tailplane, yeah. um, which is just for aircraft that is unheard of. The the wings of an aircraft are where you put fuel tanks, yeah. uh, because they're usually not very tall, no. um, but they have a lot of total volume, yeah. so you can put fuel in there. I guess yeah. since they don't need fuel, since they're nuclear atomically powered. They can use that space for anything, but still, that is a really fat wing to yes. be able to fit an entire bar. Also, don't wings like move up and down? They do. They flex. Wings are like, designed to be flexible. So you wouldn't. Yeah. All right. Whatever. So putting glass on your wing. I think we can write all this off as it being an ultra advanced airplane, but yeah. still, it's it seemed nuts. But everything is so nice. Mm. Like they spend this whole crisis getting plastered in, <laughs> in the bar. It's really quite weird. Like, stop watering down the drinks. Like, our pro- our protocol for making sure everyone doesn't come is we stop watering down the drinks and just let them go. <laughs> Regarding the puppets, I thought, like, if they were dolls, they'd be really impressive. Like, they're very well designed. Mm-hmm. But as puppets, they're very disturbing. Yes. 
they the fact that their faces don't move is kind of the oh, oh it's just like the lower lip that moves yeah. and yeah. it's like <laughs> later on like when they tried to because the puppets were a constant R&D thing like these were the most cutting edge puppets of the day and Captain Scarlet again improved on them and then each subsequent series Terra Hawks and stuff they were always trying to make them better and uh, more appealing the later ones that they get like the Team America one style ones where the face is rubber and the whole jaw moves I find those to be more disturbing than the, the lower lip stuff in Thunderbirds. I'm pretty sure Team America is meant to be disturbing. Yes, yeah, they are hamming that up very big. Um, but yeah, like I've yeah, because I guess I got uh, in on the ground floor as a wee lad watching Thunderbirds. I've never found the puppets disturbing, and it even took it takes me a while to actually focus to realize, oh, these are actually puppets. Like in in the in the in the back of my mind, I'm like, of course these are puppets. But I'll immediately forget and ignore it in the in the same way that I'll like watch a cartoon and I'll like turn off uh, like oh a man couldn't do that I'm like fine whatever no keep going um, so I I've never had that uh, uncanny valley problem with Thunderbirds which I think is a barrier to entry for a lot of other people yeah I grew up with it and I think you get a certain a certain level of inoculation to that kind yeah. of stuff when you watch it when you're younger because you don't care yeah um, that all being said Tintin was pretty hot. Yeah, I guess. Tintin, w- again, when I was a kid, I didn't know that she was supposed to be Asian. For some reason, it just never clicked with me. That, and I, she doesn't look Asian. <laughs> and she like she doesn't have a particularly racist accent. She speaks airily. Um, and she is explicitly Karana's daughter. And I knew that Karana was Asian, but I never put two and two together. But even Karana doesn't look very Asian. Like, all the minorities in this look... Only vaguely quite, minority-esque. I guess they are quite whitewashed. Yeah, I, even that. Like Parker, I'm pretty sure is meant to be not white of some degree, but he just looks very tan. Uh, no, Parker's meant to just be like a, a British street kid. How is he so tan? Uh, I don't know. Maybe he served in Malaya. Duck. We'll see. <laughs> but he's just yeah. like old and like commodity. I always had a thing for Lady Penelope more than Tintin. She's a woman in charge, she is. In power. Yeah, I could see that for you. <laughs> okay. Lady Penelope. You can't be I am certain that Lady Penelope has killed uh, killed men in a variety of circumstances and uh, did not wince in the slightest. Yes. And probably enjoyed it. As a kid, it never registered with me that Worf was black. Worf from Star Trek? Yeah. That's interesting. I don't think you notice stuff like that as a kid. Though. Yeah, I guess so. But like, mm. w- then I saw like Michael Dawn without makeup, and I was like, "Oh my god, it's a black guy." Actually, yeah, no, I I, I do kind of get that. Um, but Star Trek also with the Klingons makes them very like dusty in general. Like not dusty, dusty is in like physically dusty, but they're not usually like white, white. They're usually some kind of varying level of tan. Like olive. Olive. Down, yeah. Kind of like a deeper hue in general. So I don't know if it would register as much. And then that new Star Trek series made them com- literally completely obstinate black, which is weird. Yeah, and then it was a like weird to, they had an albino. T'Challa was it? Thing. I don't know. No, that's it's the what? guy that's Black Panther. Who was the fucking Klingon in the new series? Um, well, there are a few. The one, the, the one who's in like he seems really important because he's like I'm gonna lead all these Klingons and he dies in the first episode. That has that meme where it's like what a guy. <laughs> oh, I can't remember what he was called. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but it was he some... was like pitch black. It was weird. Yeah. That they did. It's weird that they choose to redesign Klingons for that. It, on the one hand, yes, but on the other hand, they've redesigned Klingons every generation. Like, I guess they so. didn't originally have the forehead ridges either. So uh, fair enough. Um, 
continuing on, I guess, with what's going on in this episode. So Cole's in Bonfret, International Rescue comes on in. Mm-hmm. Um, I noticed, what do you think of the music in this? Because I love it. I absolutely love it. I, it's I so timeless. Big, big, big fan of yeah. all of the music. Um, the, the 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 get up and go, <laughs> we're launching sequence sort of stuff. The music for that. The tension music, the bongo drums throughout, the brass. Even fucking... just that ambient, like, when it's just panning across a nice looking aircraft yeah. and you get that, like, nice little orchestra come along with it. Mm. It's perfect all the time. I like the voice acting. Mm-hmm. It is pretty well voice acted. Yeah. There isn't really anyone who like is just phoning it in. Like they're all really, uh, really selling their roles. I think that's probably why, as a kid, I was fine with the puppet so much that the voice acting was so good. I didn't need the face to emote mm. as much. Um, like you'll be hearing Scott, uh, like desperately calling out to Virgil, like "Oh my God, Virgil, are you okay?" And the puppet's just going, blah, 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 blah. Um, but the voice acting sells it enough that it it works. Yeah. I did find sometimes it was a bit monotone. I was wondering if that was slightly by choice because the faces don't emote all as much. And it's possible. There's a point where Tracy's like, um, uh, I think he's. It's when he realizes Tintin's on the plane and it's gonna blow up, mm. and he's like, Tintin's on that, but he just sounds like he's reading the news. Oh yeah, Tintin's on that one. Like, which it. I don't know. It's sometimes it can be a bit flat, but other times it's not. I didn't notice the voice acting very much, which is probably a good sign. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I just like those old timey accents. Mm-hmm. Just the timey accents of. Yeah. I don't, everyone had that very cultured sound to their voice back then. Everyone sounded very British yeah. or intelligent. Uh, so my favorite character in this episode is the air traffic controller. Um, for <laughs> that guy was such a guy. He was great. Uh, such a dickhead. What? Okay, I, we're gonna have to explain yeah. that. I love him because he is a no nonsense. Like he's like a super military guy, but this is a civilian airport. I don't really get that. Um, and like he's got a rank. I can't remember what it was, but he's super in command, super in control of absolutely anything. He has this great line towards the end of it of when one of the elevator cars has crashed and has exploded into another aircraft. Um, and they're setting up for the next run and then it cuts to him on the radio halfway through a conversation with the the fire trucks who've gone over to put out that fire he goes uh, fire tenders back to end of runway 29 let those aircraft burn fire flashes carrying passengers they're not and he's like fuck it I don't care if this whole aircraft airport burns down we're getting those people alive just, just leave him I appreciated that but whenever he's getting any suggestions he'll just talk over everybody including oh yeah like, he yeah. did yeah he just he just keeps interrupting people and like this dude comes up with the uh, plan admittedly the stupidest plan in the, <laughs> on the goddamn planet like a guy brings him a plan and anytime he attempts to explain the plan more he just talks over him yeah he's like well first of all we get a training aircraft and he goes okay shut up Oh wait, do we have a train yeah, aircraft? Yeah, and he's like, "Yeah, okay, continue." He's like, maybe can we finish the fucking? He's like, every single time he comes to a step in the plan, he has to fact check it. Mm. Like immediately, he's like, "Can you just hear the whole plan and then maybe decide if it's feasible Let or me not?" Sell you on the whole idea, and then we can yeah. get to the specifics. He's it's bizarre, but anyway. And then like when the hood eventually gets away at the end, he's like, "Ah, oh, we tried." So, yeah, you didn't. <laughs> you said like what? You said to rent a cop after It's him. driving down a freeway. <laughs> Guess what? There's it goes in one direction. <laughs> it can't. How did you lose him? There's like three cars on the freeway, and they're the same car. <laughs> it's all the same. But yeah, look, um, anyway, so they realize there's a pl- there's a bomb on the plane. 
they they can't land because if they drop the landing gear, the bomb will probably explode. Wait, mm. so is was the bomb meant to um, was it just dropping the landing gear that makes the bomb explode, or was it meant to be like the the um, kind of uh, impact of bit of both pretty much both yeah. Um, okay. yeah it was they, it was just risky to land on it yeah they mentioned that it's placed in such a way and that like they've only got some very oh, so Fireflash they get the bomb threat called in by the hood and then Fireflash gets called back after it's taken off um, and they do a low altitude pass and they have an x-ray camera <laughs> by the way just taking <laughs> an x-ray camera that can take a photo of a supersonic aircraft yeah that can take a photo of a, <laughs> the, of a low flying aircraft which is you know built out of something probably pretty thick uh, I mean like aluminium or something um, take a photo of that just blast x-rays at the entire crew it's fine whatever um they look through the x-ray photo and confirm yes there is a bomb and from where they can see it is they make the assumption that like if you were to land either either like deploying the landing gear or the impact of landing would set it off and they just can't be sure that like because they can't get close to the bomb to see it because i feel like the way it does land at the end is much more impactful than like a normal (laughs) landing Mm. that's quite true it's Mm, it's all a bit of a contrived setup. Yeah. It is masking tape there as well, which again drives me insane. Um, so, also, supersonic aircraft make a low pass over this airport. That'll be over <laughs> London I mean, Airport. I mean, like, it'd be <laughs> like, traveling fairly slowly at I that get, point. Even still, just something passing that low over an airport. But anyway, yeah. so International Rescue Shows, I didn't realize they hadn't been a. Formally establishes a presence yet. So this is their first mission ever, mm. and so no one knows who they are. Yeah, which is interesting when they show up and they're like, "Hey, a ship traveling like fast in the experimental aircraft that just took off like, is currently approaching hey, I us." I picked up something on radar that can only be described as a missile. Yes, yeah. There is no aircraft that can travel this fast, and the only thing I know that travels this fast. It also it, looks like a missile. Yeah, like, <laughs> are we under attack? And they're like, "No, it's me, Thunderbird One." And they're like, "Thunderbird what?" Yeah, I don't know what that is. That sounds fake. And they let it land, and yeah. then just unquestionably take orders from it. Well, like they uh, are a airport, so that I don't think at that point they'd excluded traffic. Um, uh, but it, they were like, sure, whatever. You can like take that runway. It's free at the moment. And Scott's like, nah, I'm a Chad. I'm gonna come. I'm just gonna come in for a vertical landing because I could do that. By the way, one thing that was established in these episodes is Thunderbird 1 is not particularly useful other than getting there and saying, yeah, there's a problem. Yep. The other <laughs> it yeah. seems to be the only thing it ever does. I-, I thought it was weird that they don't like announce that they're coming ahead of time and they just sort of show up in a dramatic entrance. Usually mm. they're cold. Not in this particular case, but usually someone actually calls them. Mm. So they're expected. Yeah, they're trying to uh, get some get some advertising out of this. But yeah, um, this is the first one they just rock up to because no one knows they exist. Um, yeah, like Thunderbird One, they make it makes a big show of itself, but Thunderbird One in the original series does nothing. It does. Uh, over, it never does anything except occasionally suction cup something. Yeah, like you can. To be fair, like from in the era that it is, like Thunderbird Five can only pick up radio stuff, and they're not like using UAV footage or. Uh, telescopes like satellite footage to look at whatever's going on which would replace what Thunderbird 1 does yeah. Thunderbird 1 is meant to like uh, Thunderbird 5 figures out there is a problem 
Thunderbug one goes there to figure out how bad it is. But these days, you know, you could do both of those from space. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Thunderbird one, another bit that of how shitty it is. Every time Scott lands, he calls out to guys, "Hey, can I get some guys to help pull the shit out of my aircraft? Because like it's really heavy and I don't have." wheels on it i guess <laughs> he has to drag his whole console setup up the tower <laughs> into the air traffic control tower that's i didn't realize he had to do that yeah that's like it, it, usually when he lands people are like hey can you send some guys out to help me with my equipment you couldn't send people in like just take the commander and put him in thunderbird one but i it, guess no we can't, can't take do- photos of it but which by the way if you don't want people taking photos of your experimental aircraft maybe don't land it in london airport yeah probably not a great idea but I don't know how they're gonna. Also, a picture of Thunderbird One would be mean fuck all to any engineer. I'm pretty sure in terms of how do I actually rebuild something like this. Yeah, like they'd be able to tell you roughly what it is. They could say, "Oh, that looks like it could go probably this fast. It looks like it could land vertically and horizontally. Uh, it looks like um, it has both jet and maybe rockets." Uh, but I don't know what's inside of it. I don't know how they've done any of this. I just know that it probably could do these things. It's like when uh, in the Cold War, Russia started building this new fighter jet. Um, and the West got some leaked photos of it and saw these massive afterburner engines and these huge flat wings on the thing. And they thought, that's incredible. The only reason you would have engines and wings that big is if you were building the craziest air superiority fighter in the world, we've got to build one first. And so the US Air Force went and built the F-15, admittedly one of the best fighter jets ever made. And then it turns out the Russians had been building the MiG-25, which was actually a high-speed interceptor that can't turn for shit. Uh, All it can do is travel really fast in a straight line and then hopefully do something when it gets there. (laughs) On the one pass it gets. So like they, they ended up by... By building that aircraft, they ended up triggering the United States to build an even better aircraft that would like counter already what they already had. Spite is a powerful motivator. Hmm. Um, all right, so Thunderbird One lands and effectively just takes over the operation with no issues whatsoever, hmm. um, which is weird. Um, and then the hood disguises himself as a security guard and is allowed just to board Thunderbird 1 despite the fact that there are clearly other security guards in the area <laughs> um, takes a couple of photos there's a photo alarm I'd like to see how they figured out that yep uh, the <laughs> automatic photo detector <laughs> um, in a later episode uh, so the hood tries this exact plan again uh, and he's like alright so he's a persistent young man that hood <laughs> so he's like alright the first plan failed because apparently they can detect a a uh, a film camera uh, taking photos inside of, inside their aircraft. All right, hey, uh, tin, uh, hey, Kirano. Eh, yeah, no, shut up, stop screaming, Kirano. I need you to do something. Go aboard Thunderbird One and disable its automatic camera detector. And he goes on board and he uh, and he finds it and pokes at it and disables it. And then later on, when the rescue happens, uh, the hood goes and takes photos of Thunderbird One runs away and it's only like an hour later that scott realizes that it happened he's like what why didn't the detector go off oh shit and doesn't follow up on that lead anyway why didn't he just manipulate his brother to take the pictures for him yeah that's yeah that's a good question (laughs) he has a brother who literally works for international rescue you could go and take photos of thunderbird one there right surely or something i don't know it seems i don't know 
I want to have sympathy for the hood. The hood doesn't even look particularly Asian, by the way. Yeah. He just looks like Bruce Willis with like really big <laughs> eyebrows. His eyebrow game is on point. Yeah, he's got such big eyebrows. Powerful. That's not a traditional Asian feature as far as I'm aware. Uh, Even one that could be blown is. up for racist purposes. I mean, like if you look at those like stereotypical like Asian wise men, they've got these huge eyebrows and the like. I guess Indian beads. people have big eyebrows. I can say that, but I don't know about anyone. Oh, yeah, it's he. Everyone is vaguely raced in this in a way that mm-hmm. in some ways saves it in retrospect it doesn't make it as like horrific no it, it they could have done much worse mm-hmm. with a lot of this stuff um but i don't think they did that on purpose so mm-hmm. i'm not giving them credit for it so what's the plan you do you want to dictate like do you want to run through the plan so for what they decide would be the good first step yeah. before the Thunderbirds arrive, actually. Oh, okay. So yeah. the original plan, this is developed by like some plucky Air Force dude uh, who rocks up and says, all right, so grab a training aircraft. This is the type which can like, has a cable out the back and can tow a target craft behind it. And we normally use these for like training. Like, oh, here's an aircraft you can go blow up. Um, I'm going to hop aboard one of those and mount like a sled to the back of it. Um, they're going to lower, winch me out on a cable and fly in front of Fireflash. They will winch me out so that I am like dangling beneath Fireflash. Fireflash will then open up one of its like uh, maintenance hatches. I'll climb aboard and check out the bomb and then I guess do what I can. That part was actually genuinely gripping. Mm-hmm. The-, the, the part where it's just... I mean, that was insane that entire sequence was... it was the core strength on that man and also i wanted that you described it as gripping considering the fact that this man <laughs> is incapable of gripping anything in the <laughs> why couldn't they have just given him like a a harness that he could have clipped onto the thing when he got there because he just has to hold on with his arms and legs <laughs> yeah on yeah. the undercarriage of a supersonic airplane it wasn't really thought through no um, <laughs> not really but that was insane that it got so far. One thing I would like to point out, I only noticed it when you had that on the screen when I showed up today. Mm-hmm. When he falls out of the plane, they to, to, to get a better look at the guy folding, the pilot tips the plane so, yeah, he, and like looks down next to him. Yeah, the captain of Fireflash like turns and like, oh shit. And like, he actually like turns the plane to get a better look at him falling. Like, I, I always assumed that it was like, is he gonna catch him? Like, what? Yeah, what's the plan? I'll catch him with my hull. <laughs> but he, thankfully, they had the common sense to give the guy a parachute. Yeah, and he so he didn't just fold to his death. I thought he was just gonna die. <laughs> so this entire sequence, uh, when Thunderbirds was going, was getting greenlit. They made a couple of episodes and they showed them to uh, the producers. Um, and they were like, this is fucking great. We love this. <laughs> however, <laughs> yeah. however, it is only 20 minutes long. We want these to be 40-minute episodes. Um, and so they go back and go, like, uh, okay, so I guess we just need to... Like, we can write future episodes to be 40 minutes long, but the ones we've already made, we need to pad them out. So this entire first rescue was filmed after the rest of the thing. They added this in in post to extend the runtime of the pilot episode. Um, So that's why it takes International Rescue so long to arrive. Um, This whole, like, they're en route and John in the space station is like, yeah, dad, um, they're trying something. Like, hey, maybe it'll work, but 
you know, I'm not going to tell anyone to turn around at this point. I appreciate the willpower it took. Well, who's five again? Five. Uh, John. John. I appreciate the willpower it would have took John to say, they're trying the stupidest fucking idea I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. Uh, keep going. It's probably not going to work. Um, that would probably have been my report from the space station. He does say, they don't sound too hopeful. No. So... I hate how when they're being called, their eyes, the like eyes in their portraits flash. <laughs> Operation cover up. Operation Push cover up. Push this button. Make this. Why does have them always not be yeah. there? Yeah. Yeah. So in in the Tracy household, they have these uh, portraits of all uh, all five of the Tracy kids and Lady Penelope in their um, uniforms. Uh, well, they're in normal whatever civvies, but then when International Rescue is going, they're dressed in their International Rescue kit. And whenever they call in, the eyes flash as like the ringtone. Then they hit a button and then the portrait turns into a TV screen and they get a video call with them. There's also a portrait for Lady Penelope in, in the same room. Imagine if every time I like called you on the phone, a picture of my face appeared on your phone. And it was just my eyes flashing demonically. I'm sure that we could. I want that. <laughs> I'm sure you can figure that one out. That's good. That has to be an app. Um, but an operation cover up is uh, <laughs> whenever someone on base is going to arrive that's like not uh, who like they need to keep secret from jeff will announce operation cover-up and then reach under his desk and press a button which like rotates uh <laughs> it scrolls past the international rescue portraits to a like a civvy photo of them that's the only thing that it is it's not an operation mate yeah it's his own little wanky thing that <laughs> like, you dad, think they, they just roll his, their eyes every time it's operation cover-up everyone sure dad okay also one last thing the boarding sequence Right, there's always cool to watch. Thunderbird 2, when he boards and like he's ready to go and then his uniform like raises out. Like, when's he going to fucking get changed? <laughs> when, do they end- when do any it? of them get changed? It's, it's, <laughs> it, these launch sequences are designed to be as quick as possible. Um, and so it's like, not only has he slid down yeah. into his seat, which has then shoved yeah. him in to a very tight area. Like, he's then going to need to awkwardly get out of that seat walk over to the little <laughs> coat rack get changed and then walk back in is he the one that goes down the backwards slide yes that would I have been that. terrifying i i, I want to do that <laughs> like um that's how i want to get out of bed did this show inspire wallace and gromit because that's all i yes, can think of oh, Def- it did definitely it did um wallace and gromit's whole like get ready scenes they are explicitly like thunderbirds stuff and in how elaborate they are I wonder, this must have inspired Voltron as well, right? Uh, it did inspire it. I'm not sure of Voltron specifically, but Vol- a lot of Japanese anime was heavily inspired by Thunderbirds. Like, the United States, I don't know if they had a particularly strong reaction to Thunderbirds. I think they kind of were like, all right, that's cool, whatever. Um, no, plus either way, the two countries who fucking love Thunderbirds are the UK and Japan. Japan loves Thunderbirds so passionately. Like, there are more Thunderbirds museums in Japan than there are in the UK. Um, That's why there is a Thunderbirds anime. That's why Evangelion has references to Thunderbirds inside of it. Um, uh, Unit 1's launch sequence. I've never watched Evangelion. Uh, Unit 1, so you know how Thunderbird 1, like, (laughs) is a vertical Mm. craft. It goes down a little rail, goes down to a launch section, and then launches up. That is how Unit 1 evangelion uh launches that's cool um uh there there i would not be surprised at every anime every mecha anime that came out after thunderbirds the people working on it were like let's do this fucking cool shit i saw this in this really cool show um so yeah i would not be surprised if voltron is is the same thing all right so thunderbird one that comes out from under the pool right yep yeah why 
It doesn't open all the way, which pissed me off in the original one. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, just imagine you're in the pool when that thing. Comes I did out. as a kid. We oh, did. did. It's everyone. Like, everyone. Everyone had that experience. Yes. Like either either you're like trapped under the part that goes underneath and like you drown, or you're in the part that doesn't go under and you're like vaporized. Why doesn't the pool water get vaporized? It really should. Yeah. These these are all good points and reasons why. Like, I guess what they needed to do was hide two missile silos on their on their base. Yeah. And one of them, the 60s just had a type of house called a roundhouse. Sure. And so they could just hide Thunderbird yeah. 3 with that. So you never saw free takeoff because free takes off through the hole in the house. Mm. Yeah. So <laughs> if you really have a problem with one, so free goes through the hole in the house. Which, by the way, very easy to look down that hole and notice, yeah. hey, there's a fucking Thunderbird in here. <laughs> um, two is the only one with any kind of thought put behind it. So, um, I hated the part where like it takes like 10 minutes for the two to like slowly roll yeah. out of the hangar. Two takes so long. Every single time without fail as a kid, I would say, two really needs to hurry the fuck up and it would annoy my but, mom to no extent. But I love it because... <laughs> like. I'm cool. You want that contrast. You want the quick machines yes. that are often doing their thing. But then Thunderbird 2, it's so big and heavy and slow. I love that it's like front nose kind of looks like a 747 in how fat it is. It's, um, it's lumbering. It's giant. It's grind. It, it has like roller wheels <laughs> underneath it. Uh, it's this powerful behemoth. Like I love how slow and achingly it takes to do anything. That 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 is all Thunderbird 2's shtick for me. And the palm trees have to like widen ever. Just plant them a meter to the side. No, it, okay, no, I thought about this. This is actually deliberately done to make it look like the runway can't hold an aircraft of this size. Because right. if the Tracer Island had a runway that could fit a 747, people would be like, why have you got that? You only take like Cessna light aircraft and small jets. Like, why you, you, would you need an air, a runway that big? Um, and they'd be like, uh. All right. Anyway. Let's continue on with the episode because at this mm. pace we're never going to finish this. Yeah, podcast. we'll we'll um, try and blaze yeah. through this. Okay. I think we've been going for like an hour. Yeah, but that's it. We haven't been doing the episode for an hour. Um, but anyway, so six episodes. So um, we'll pick up the pace on this one. Yeah. But I think, well, especially as because I think we're covering a lot of other things as we yeah. go. But the um, so Thunderbird two arrives, and this is this defined my childhood when it rolls out the elevator cars. Mm. And um, so the plane has to land effectively on, the, effectively rolling undercarriage. Yeah, like they've got these, these cars which have these large uh, platforms big built flat on top platforms, of them, and uh, they have to land exactly on it. Yeah, it doesn't go very well. The bit where they're braking and like the tires are like on Bursting. fire. Yeah, that was like cool. actually legitimately on fire. That's so cool, mm. and it's not it, nothing that cool has ever been made since in terms of like. Uh, a se- action sequence like this I'm sure they could do something like this nowadays with CG it wouldn't have nearly the impact of this because you're just watching the tires burn hmm. and just everything's smoking and it's just there's so much impact I think that like one bit in particular that sells it is uh, when the tires first start to burst it doesn't like it does a couple of close in shots of the tires and showing them bursting but the first time it happens you're just seeing one of the trucks uh, with brakes on full lock and then out of nowhere, part of it just explodes. And then like, what? Like, oh my God, this is a new problem. The tires are bursting. Um, uh, yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, I think as well, like the music in the landing sequence just is one of the finest pieces dun, of dun, tension music. Dun, the bongo dun, drums dun. Yeah. that they do. So they, they redid this episode almost in its entirety in the new series. Uh, I didn't pick it because I wanted to try and like show some other things, but they do pretty much do the exact same rescue. The only difference is in the new one, they don't really have elevator cars. They kind of 3D print assemble pod vehicles for each situation, which makes sense. Um, and so they just kind of hack together some cars. Um, and the problem is in a new series, they're not designed to go at like aircraft speeds. So they can't keep up with the aircraft and they are actually... And then also they're not built to hold an aircraft of this size because they're not designed to carry aircraft. So the pod vehicles start getting crushed as the aircraft puts their weight on them. And Virg- like Alan, who is in one of them, is like, uh, guys, I'm going to die. Uh, this plan isn't working. And then they take off and they have to find another way. Wow, why did they... Why did they put people in there? If they could all be remote control, why did you need Virgil in one of them? So these ones, these ones weren't remote control. Okay. These, uh, this is like you. Uh, we would have seen in the new series yes. that the pod vehicles are like a single kind of cigar-shaped cockpit, mm-hmm. and then you bolt wheels or drills okay. or something onto them. I see. Um, and so they just they had two of them, and so they slapped it together very quickly and sent them out. And luckily, so, it had one landing gear that did right. work. So. Look, the plane lands a bit very chunkily, as I think Claire pointed out before. So much so mm. that they probably would have been better off just trying to land the plane. Yeah. Um, also, by the way, we should point out the reason why the plane's in danger is because its nuclear reactor <laughs> is not rated to protect passengers for longer than three to four hours. Yeah, like the plane can stay up ridiculous. there for months. Yeah. But people on board will be pools uh, by the time it lands. Yeah. Which is uh, such a ridiculous design flaw, it blows my mind. But anyway... So they land, the hood gets blown up by Lady Penelope and Parker. Lady Penelope having a, quote, undisclosed amount of guest sofa <laughs> and then has to go and commit murder. Yep, and um, then get back in time for tea, and she's totally fine. Yes, tea. I'm sure that's what she was planning. Yep. She, yeah, but so what do you think of Lady Penelope, by the way? I really wish we'd see more of her. I think that was the only episode that... Um yeah, you we don't see her in the other one. Got to see any? Of yeah, them. I didn't. Uh, unfortunately, didn't put her in any of the other ones. Um, uh, she there are. She has her own feature episodes in the original series, um, uh, which are all all pretty good. Um, even despite the '60s misogyny, she manages to pull off some pretty cool stuff. Um, in the new series, she's even better. Um, we uh, there was one where like like in the new one, she's portrayed as kind of like a still like a big socialite. And she uses that as an excuse to get herself into all of these crazy situations because she's like, I actually, uh, like, there's one point she goes aboard a space hotel and she's like, I'm here to, like, check that things are going to run smoothly. Um, And Parker, who in the later series is still voiced by the same voice actor, the only returning cast member who's, like, 90 or something, um, says, like, oh, Lady Penelope, you've really outdone yourself and then looks behind her at all of the luggage that she's bought, like, towers of suitcases and she's like, yeah, I, I got to do that so people think I'm an idiot. Um, like, that's why I pack all of this stupid shit. Uh, and he's like, oh, yeah, but you don't have to carry it. <laughs> I like how she sounds almost exactly like the characters of The Crown, which... Oh, yeah, oh, yeah makes, definitely. Makes sense. She's mm-hmm. very, very British. You should watch Thunderbird 6 because she has a lot to do in that. Mm-hmm. Most of the plot revolves around her, to be honest. Um, so that would be... A, if you want to see more of her, it's a good episode. Should we move on to Vogue? 
as I've called it. Yep. <laughs> uh, um, end of the road. Or end road. of the road. I forgot what it was called, so I just <laughs> wrote road at the top. Cormac McCarthy's Thunderbirds of the Road. Yes. So this one was about capitalism, effectively, but without any of the critique. Like, I would say, that, yes, it's about capitalism, uh, but on rewatch, I did like that it wasn't as strong as I worried it would, would be. It was more like, we've got a business, we need contracts to survive. If we don't get this contract, then we're going to go under and it's not... Possibly. Gonna, yeah. Uh, and we might possibly go under. Yeah, so... <laughs> Uh, so brief summary of the episode um, uh, Eddie uh, what's his name I wrote it down Eddie Houseman is Eddie, a friend <laughs> Eddie Houseman is a friend of the Tracy family and he run co-runs a uh, construction company that is building highways through uh, anywhere you want in Southeast Asia um, they're building a highway using this really cool machine that just like 3D prints roads and they're currently blasting a mountain range before the monsoons arrive so they can get through yeah they're about to finish the job when the monsoon arrives early, which would lead to some landslides. Eddie is like, fuck, like, fuck this. I'm not letting this company go under. Um, and despite the protests of literally everybody, goes out on his own to plant some charges, which will clear the road. He succeeds in that. And like, cool, Eddie, now come the fuck back because this is really dangerous. Then his truck gets caught, dangles over the edge. Uh, and not only do international rescue have to rescue him, they have to do it without showing their faces because this guy like literally just came to visit for lunch earlier that day. Yeah. I can get how like Eddie was probably meant to be portrayed to be a complete idiot, but I can understand when like you've invested so much of your like time and money into something, how it can be, um, you feel like you got to do whatever you can to, um, make sure you make sure it succeeds. It felt more like, uh, him being overly passionate than as much as like capitalism was forcing his hands like the other guy his the co-owner was like no I'm not letting you go out there because this company isn't worth your life yeah. if we lose we lose like hey that's them's the brakes guy but I'm not gonna let you kill yourself but they weren't even guaranteed to lose that's the thing that kind of yeah like that's why it. like this was all pretty much on Eddie it, was, yeah. it wasn't being forced idiot, to do all of this Eddie. stuff Just idiot Eddie um, Chad Eddie attempting to cuck <laughs> Alan is pretty much most of my notes for this episode. So um, I don't know if you want a huge amount of my opinion on this one because that's going to be a lot of it. So yeah, there's a B plot where like Alan is trying to like has we establish that Alan has a crush on Tintin and Tintin's a bit like eh, whatever. Uh, and then Eddie comes along and he's and like really Chad cool. Eddie shows Chad up. Eddie turns up. <laughs> Um, and Alan's like, oh, I, I wanted to hang out with Tintin. And Tintin's like, yeah, I want to hang out with this guy. He's yeah. way cooler than you. Because yeah, so, Alan just wants to f- fuck around and yeah. hang around by the pool and all of that. Mm. This guy's like, I'm going to take you out to Speedboat. Like, Let's that's the Tracy Speedboat, though. Like, Alan could do that. Yeah, no, but he doesn't. That's the thing. <laughs> he's he's too much of a loser to do that. Uh, I wasn't expecting any ra- uh, romantic drama in the show. Yeah, and... For good reason, it doesn't do it well. It is interracial, though, which I thought was surprisingly progressive. I think that's progressive by the standards of the time. I would say it is, yeah. But, I don't know. I guess. I guess 
Yeah, I would say so. Also, Grandma hooks up Alan and Tintin by effectively emotionally manipulating Tintin. Yeah. And just outright lying to her. And it's flat out with a gaslighting her <laughs> into thinking that Alan's super sick and still went on the rescue mission. And, and then, like, Tintin calls at the ends to be like, oh, my yeah. God, Alan, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, why? Yeah. And Alan and Virgil share this look of, like, what the fuck is this bitch <laughs> on about? Like, you know, just even with their, like this puppet faces it conveys the confusion so well yeah they're looking at each other like what is going on here <laughs> and alan's like yeah sure we'll talk all about it like he this, he figures out what's going on but rather than correct the misconception he just leans into it yeah and he's like yes i am brave <laughs> <laughs> oh me i'm so sick to pilot this plane me sick need pussy um so <laughs> Anyway, the the coolest thing about this episode that stuck with me as a kid is in the original series, we don't see the Thunderbirds actually do things that often. Um, they don't get physical with stuff. Like Thunderbird 1 will land and that's it. Thunderbird 2 that's will it. land, disgorge something and that's it. Thunderbird that 3 will, will fly around, shoot a laser at something and fly back. They don't actually do anything in the episodes. This is one of the exceptions. My favorite episodes were one, ones where the Thunderbirds did something like the one where Thunderbird 1 crashes uh, or where Thunderbird 2 crashes. This one... Uh, the truck is teetering over the edge so yes. much that when Thunderbird 2 comes in to grab it yes. with its big claw, yeah. its jets would push it over the edge. Yes. Uh, I don't really... Sure, whatever. And they're like, shit, how do we do I this? I could see that. That makes a lot of sense. But the Thunderbird 1 propping it up with a nose cone is one of my favorite moments from the yes. show because it's the time Thunderbirds actually does something. Right. Yeah, so Thunderbird can, 1 comes along underneath it. For someone who hasn't viewed it, can I describe how ridiculous the situation is that yes. they get themselves into? Okay, so... The guy plants the charges and he gets back and he miraculously has somehow not died, which was like the most likely situation was he would just get crushed putting the charges in. But he puts them in. He gets back in his truck and they radio him and they're like, the thing's about to fall over any second now. Get out of there. And he's like, oh shit, I should just blow it up now then. And they go, you're still in the blast range. And he's like, I'll be all right. And so he blows it up and surprise, surprise, he's not all right. He's caught in the blast range. <laughs> and... um. The truck that he's in gets pushed, so it's kind of dangling over a cliff. Now, he would... He is kind of stuck clinging to a pole, and because it's so delicately balanced, if he moves too much, he'll tip it over. The reason why... And to guarantee that he will die if it goes over, <laughs> he also has a spare, like, satchel full of explosions. Yeah. <laughs> also, these explosions are semi-nuclear, then he calls them neutrino charges, yeah. whatever that is. I, I ignored physics in high okay. school. But yeah, it's something <laughs> atomic sounding. Yes, which is ridiculous that that's what they're using to clear this stuff. But So that's where he's at. So if Thunderbird 2 tries to come over the top and la and to like grab it with its big claw, it can't do that because it will knock it over. So Thunderbird 1 has to prop it up and then it grabs it with the worst claw in existence. Yeah. <laughs> Like, worse than even the claw machine claws, because it can't hold on to this thing for more than, like, two fucking seconds. So, uh, the new series uh, features a lot of this grappling hook action, uh, but instead... <laughs> I noticed that, actually. Yeah, grappling hooks are huge in the new series, um, and to the point that they are all, like, uh, cable launch. Like, there's, like, a gun which fires a magnetic head with a cable behind it. It'll plunk onto something, and then they'll drag it up. Uh, Scott's got a grappling hook. He uses a bunch... <laughs> Thunderbird 1 has at least one. Thunderbird 2 has four, which it shoots out. Um, 
And the idea that you could just fly really high above, like a sky crane, and just lower <laughs> this rope sort of thing rather than this rigid claw that he's got <laughs> seems like it would have been like a better idea. Um, instead, he just has a huge iron grip claw. <laughs> um, but yeah, Thunderbird 1 comes in underneath, uh, puts nose cone underneath the roof, the front of the truck, and uh, raises itself to prop itself against it. Thunderbird 2 comes down, grabs it, picks it up, flies along. Uh, unfortunately the claw is made of tinfoil um, and so it starts breaking one by one each of the clamps it doesn't go all at once because we've got yeah. ten- this is Thunderbirds is a masterclass in tension everybody he has to jump out of his thing like and he just eats shit on the floor like he just <laughs> I really like that uh, the way that it kind of portrayed that and it does it a lot in the original series is uh, Scott's just observing the situation and he's watching the truck throughout the whole thing and he sees Eddie standing in the front yeah. And says, "Oh wait, Virgil, like move move closer to the yes. cliff. I can see Eddie's gonna jump." Um, and they're like, "Cool, this is a good situation. Like that's good. Let's roll with this. Mm-hmm. Like the situation is evolving. Um, it, it reminds me of like kind of helicopter rescues of they perhaps they can't communicate with the victim entirely. Um, and if the victim it decides to make a decision, mm-hmm. the rescue crews just have to roll with it, mm-hmm. whether it's a good or bad idea. They're like, we can't." We can't change it. We can't stop Eddie from moving, but Eddie's got this idea. We need to do everything we can to help him. Well, if Eddie doesn't jump, he'll die because he built a claw, the worst yeah. claw in existence. What do you think of this episode, Claire? I like the part where the puppets got sweaty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought that was a nice touch. Uh, I don't think they had that much of the, the classic Thunderbirds replace a puppet with a human hand for the close ups. It's one of the few episodes they kind of don't do it. Um, a lot of the time, when a puppet will walk up to, say, a table and then move as if to grab something, it will cut to a shot of a human hand dressed as like the puppet, picking up something and fiddling with it, and then it'll cut back to the puppet. Is a technique they use a lot, but they didn't use it much in this episode. I think they did it in the previous episode. Yeah, they did in Trapped in the Sky. You barely notice it, though. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's really smooth. Surprisingly... Yeah, I thought it was going to be really jarring, but mm-hmm. like I, 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 I only just barely noticed it because I was waiting for it to happen. Mm-hmm. One thing, I think the thing that like um, I took away the most from these episodes was that the Tracy Mansion is really nice. <laughs> it is. Yeah. That goes back to my original point. <laughs> Everything is so nice. These, it's such a luxurious lifestyle. I don't think it's just the Tracys. Like everyone in the setting just is fine. And Lady I really Penelope, wish we lived in that. <laughs> Lady Penelope has a sheep farm in Outback Australia. Yeah. It's established in one episode. She just has it as like a vacation house. Wait, did you say earlier that Lady Penelope has to pretend to be a dumb socialite to hide her dumb secret identity? That's generally most of her shtick. She, try, she is a British socialite um, and that's kind of her cover. Um, she is independently fabulously wealthy Um it's never explicit that she's a former secret agent of some armed forces. I think that's the only reasonable explanation for how she is what for she is. For how she's ridiculously competent at what she does. Um, but, uh, yeah, she will often pretend to be dumber than she is to, like, lull people into a false sense of security. So she's basically British Lady Batman and James Wand. Yeah, yeah, she is very... She, it's a very um, Bruce... Not Willis, not Wayne. Banner. Wayne, Bruce Wayne. Wayne. Uh, yeah, it's a very much of a Bruce, Bruce Willis, <laughs> a Bruce Wayne sort of uh, setup. There's one where there is an actual British secret agent um, at the end of the episode that she's been like helping mm. doing all this stuff, but he's never known who it was. 
any episode she has him over and she's like oh thank god you got out of that horrible situation and he's like oh yes but danger is just uh another thing that you have to do when you're a secret agent unfortunately my cover's been blown so i have to retire unlike those that idiot james <laughs> bond who blows his cover every single movie but uh no i wouldn't expect you a uh, beautiful thing to understand the perils that i have to go through and penelope's just like cutting her stick like uh-huh 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 yeah sure what oh yeah mm. no woe is me <laughs> so uh, yeah so she's She's Batman, James Bond, with the aesthetic of Elle Woods. Yep. Yeah. And the right. accent of the Queen. Yep. Yeah. She's easily the best character in the original She show. could do, like, you could just do a Lady Penelope movie. You it doesn't need yeah. to be a Thunderbirds I, movie. You could just do that. I, I, I think it was Daniel Craig or someone was saying that um, instead of making a female James Bond, you should just make a female character that's as good as James Bond. And it's like, oh, I guess Lady Penelope is right there. Yes. Yeah, I think that would actually be great to just, yeah, to just make a live-action Lady Penelope movie that's, don't make it, like, explicitly Thunderbirds. Like, don't even put in the advertising material. Be like, yeah, officially this is a spin-off. Um, maybe the Tracy brothers are mentioned at one point. Probably don't even show the Thunderbirds. Uh, show, like, crazy 60s future tech. Um, and everything and have it like that uh, but yeah just do a Lady Penelope movie it'd be great I would watch that yeah it's super good shall we move on to new series uh, I just want to say mm. one last thing about the mansion because it's, it's very nice so it's got this atomic age aesthetic and a grand piano and it's got this tropical ocean view and then at night you've got like the soft piano playing you've got the lapping waves and the chirping crickets and you've got the full moon overhead so the First thing I did after the, watching those episodes was go and try and find like a Tracy Mansion ambience video on YouTube. <laughs> Unfortunately, there was none. But if any ambience YouTubers are out there, I am begging you, please. It's a opportunity that has been missed. We'll have to look into that one. I'm it's sure very lo-fi beats to study too. Lo-fi beats to rescue too. Lo-fi beats to rescue too. <laughs> that sounds great. All right, so should we move on to the new series? Yep. All right, perfect. So, so yeah, the four episodes, which I'm pretty sure in... I'm not sure what order you guys watch them in. Uh, the order that I had was Skyhook, Recharge, Touch and Go, and Colony. Is that yeah. roughly what you had? Yeah. Cool. All right. I think um, so. I didn't take down any of the things, so... Right. Okay. So, Skyhook, it was... Pretty much still is my favorite episode of the, the new series. This was my favorite episode as well. Mm -hmm. The Australian guy. Uh, so this is uh, Kiwi. This is oh. the band manager from Flight of the Concords. Uh, is the voice actor oh. of Langstrom Fischler, yes. who is a fool, uh, an impatient fool at that, um, who has a airborne laboratory uh, with these like hot air balloons and ducted fans, which push it down to keep it stable. The fans short out. The thing gets sent rocketing up in the atmosphere, and as we go. Thunderbird after Thunderbird goes to try and rescue it and fail for different reasons until at the end of the day, we get the first Thunderbird 5 episode where it is used for a rescue and it was the coolest shit. Yeah, this was an insane episode. This, um, this billionaire was one of my favorite characters and he's also like a... Um, he reminded me of the worst parts of Elon Musk. <laughs> Just completely and utterly because Elon Musk's mars project not to date this episode but um some of the details of it are like they're using apple watches for their biometrics oh they're using a touch screen and a space station which i'm pretty sure is or a spaceship which i'm pretty sure is not the ideal 
and secondly considering you have to wear gloves and also there's the spacesuits were designed by like fashion designers or costume mm. designers not by engineers it and just, so I'm just waiting for something to go wrong it gives me that vibe yeah it just made me think of every video of that fantastic horror yeah uh, fascinating horror <laughs> youtube yeah. channel I just finished the last video from that today. Oh, but yes, it was very fascinating mm-hmm. horror, which if anyone hasn't checked it out, fascinating horror is a wonderful YouTube channel about everything that could possibly kill you. Pretty we much. We spoke about it in the last session. Well, I'm doing it again. <laughs> well, I've forgotten since the last time, so I'll have Great. to check it out. So, okay, um, yeah, but people <laughs> listening to the podcast will be listening. To <laughs> oh um, well. So Langstrom Fisher turns up in several subsequent episodes as like a reoccurring villain sort of uh and he's, he's pretty fun and he's incredibly frustrating but it is at least nice to see that each time he comes back it's for a different reason like there's at the end of this episode they cancel his permit to operate in space uh so he's, he doesn't do any more uh he doesn't do any more like high altitude or like space stuff so the next time he comes back he's got a remote controlled thing in space and then it, like each time he has something different they have to keep outlawing him from these different areas of aerospace research he was ridiculous i did like the line where brains is like your static absorbers are so advanced i can't even see them he's like the what now yes (laughs) oh no i thought the cgi cartoon star was a pretty good uh like adaption of Mm -hmm. the um like yeah it kept the spirit of the puppets but it wasn't creepy anymore hmm um, again, like they were, a li- the animation was a bit rougher uh, at the beginning, especially the lip sync. Um, this is like partway through season one, uh, where I guess the animators had kind of figured it out a bit more, um, and yeah, they managed to uh, to make it a lot nicer. This does look quite nice. Do they ever use real models in this one? They use a lot. Yeah. Um, so this series was part of the special effects was done by Weta Workshops, which is the mm. same special effects company who worked on Lord of the Rings and District Nine. Uh, there are a lot of the industry term bigatures. Tracy Island uh, is a set. When you see Thunderbird 1 launch, the pool that it's launching out of, that is a physical model they've built. Same as Thunderbird 2's runway uh, and a bunch of other stuff. If it looks like it's been built by hand, it was. The only stuff that is really done as CGI are the characters, the Thunderbirds, uh, and most of the space sequences. Um, But everything else, they use physical miniatures as much as possible. That does help a little bit. This is probably the best case scenario for adapting this to the aesthetic without simply just doing what Thunderbirds did. Mm. All that, which I would love to see someone do, but no one's going to do in today's age of cheap CGI. Well, um, like they, in a way, they sort of did. The, I think I mentioned this before, but uh, a while back there was a Kickstarter project to turn several Thunderbirds uh, audio C- audio vinyls from back in the day into full-on episodes. Um, I backed it. I've got the DVD here. Um, and they just took the audio from these vinyls and recruited as many of the guys who are still alive and and either bought old puppets or built new ones. Uh, and they went and filmed in exactly the same style uh, new version, new video for these sequences. And they look just like a Thunderbirds episode would because they are just what a Thunderbirds episode Wow, oh, that's cool. Guys. Yes. Muppets Thunderbirds. Muppets Thunderbirds. That'd be Muppets, great. Thunderbirds. That'd be That'd really be nice. good. Who would be captains? I mean, Kermit. Okay, Kermit is jo- is Jeff Tracy. Uh, yeah. He barely Lady Penelope is obviously Miss Piggy. Yep, obviously. Yeah. Um, Scott Gonzo. 
No, Gonzo is too chaotic. Gonzo would be like Alan. I wonder if Gonzo would be in the space station, though. Maybe. No, you can't put Gonzo in a space station. Uh, okay. No, yeah. Put Gonzo as Alan because he's the only one who gets an arc in Muppets. Yes. <laughs> um, That's true. Yeah, because Gonzo gets character. He's also from space. He's an alien. Yep. Oh, uh, is he not? I don't remember how that ended. Uh, it's unclear. Okay. Pro- <laughs> he's probably an alien. I sure. think it was. Uh, we can have Sam the American Eagle as Scott. Um, that works. Sam works with Thunderbird One pilot. Uh, who's who's the dog who's like a stoner? Rolf. 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 Yeah, he. I think he should be Virgil. Rolf will work for Virgil. I think. I don't actually. I don't like Sam as one. I think Sam would be. Um, I mean, Thunderbird Scott would be. Sorry, the character of Scott would be played by Fozzie Bear. I think. Oh, but Fuzzy's I don't like that Fuzzy's kind of Too much of an idiot They're all idiots I know But like, like this is gonna I want be... more The remote The like If anything I would want Actually no You know what Don't cast anybody As particular characters They just The Muppets And they're <laughs> running International Rescue For the day Pretty much uh, And so Like several Muppets Are in each Thunderbird uh, And uh, Kermit is trying To figure out All of the buttons At his desk all the Thunderbirds are constantly launching, like to anywhere. There's no rescues yet. Uh, the uh, what's the band called? Um, the the electric something. The electric teeth. Electric no? teeth. Uh, uh, I don't remember. We'll get it wrong and uh, flame us in the comments. Um, the band from the Muppets. They'd be in Thunderbird Five, just like rocking out, and instead of listening to any radio calls, they're just blasting their own stuff. And so Kermit is panicking, trying to figure out how to run everything while everybody's flying the Thunderbirds all over the world, getting into causing accidents. That'd be good. That'd be. I would watch that. Gonzo would just launch himself <laughs> out of something at some point. There, well, there's there is at least one Thunderbird which is just a giant cannon. So there we go. <laughs> what? Yeah, so uh, there's a thunder. There's a pod vehicle called the Thunderizer. Uh, which is just a little tracked self-propelled artillery thing. It's got a mortar in the front. The idea is that you would use this for demolition work or it, you can put a shell inside of it which contains like a first aid kit and a jetpack and they launch it up into like a skyscraper that's about to come down uh, to give the person inside. It's kind of like throwing a life raft except they're throwing a jetpack. They're shooting a gigantic shell yeah so this guy's at the top of a radio tower that's like (laughs) being held up by matchsticks and if he moves he dies Uh, and then he looks out the window and sees that Thunderbirds have landed oh my god they're gonna save me and then a tank rolls out points its gun at him and shoots (laughs) and he shits himself and then oh they they landed a jetpack in here okay well I guess we're putting those on that's cool Um, Uh, yeah so uh, Skyhook Um, each of the Thunderbirds uh, we get this is a great episode to showcase what all the Thunderbirds look like, what they do, Except how cool four, they are. Because you'll for, never see four. Four, <laughs> four gets like what four episodes ever. <laughs> Again, they've done good in the new series. Four okay. does get a lot of episodes. Uh, there was one I considered putting on here where a bunch of nature documentarians have gone to not Venus, Titan. I think there's a planet in the solar system which is all ice, and they theorize that there's liquid. That's Europa. Europa. Okay, yeah, they've gone there. Um, and they've got taken a submarine. They've gone down under the ice to look for alien life. They've gotten trapped in something. They send the radio message, and IR picks it up. They go, "All right, well, 
I guess we'll send out a rescue team there. It's going to take us six months to get there. So I, I hope they can survive until then. Uh, Thunderbird 3 loads Thunderbird 4 inside of it and then takes off and spends six months getting to Europa, lands. Thunderbird 4 pops out and has like all these, it's like a cool laser on the front to melt through the ice and then a bunch of extra like grappling arms. And it's a Thunderbird 4 episode in Europa. Um, and it's such a cool concept that I'm so glad that that sort of stuff got made. That's awesome. It's good to get Thunderbird. Yeah. We see every Thunderbird except for four get fucked up in this episode. Mm. Um, so Thunderbird 2 comes along, uses grappling legs, uh, and we see the pod, the new pod vehicles, how they get built. Um, flies off, tries to uh, repair it, can't because it's moving too much. Thunderbird 2 tries to steady it with his legs and then we get brains with that exchange. Like, where's your baffling plates, my what? (laughs) Gets electrocuted, plummets nearly to its death, just manages to escape. Um, Your mention of like uh, brains being a Indian character who is portrayed as competent Mm. really shines through in this episode because he is like, it'd be very easy to have brains as the worry wart. Um, He is kind of a worry wart. in the fact that he's nervous in a lot of these episodes and doesn't like going into the field, but with good reason. And they're like, oh, cool. We're not going to put you in a situation you don't want to be in unless we have to. Uh, you are most useful here being an expert. And he's here being an expert telling Fischler what an idiot he is. Um, and being like, you, you, like, oh, brains, brains, brains. You can't be wor- worried about safety all the time and still make a good product. Actually, you can. I've done it. <laughs> I do it every day. <laughs> Yes, it's um, so our, all the Thunderbirds fail to some degree, and then Thunderbird Five winch hooks it up like a big fishing line. Yeah. By the way, at the the G force inside Thunderbird Five when it's making this rescue goes up to twenty five G. Yeah. He is That's that man much. is dead, and he is not alive. He is a, a sp- yeah twenty five G breaks bones. Oh. Uh, like fighter pilots go up to like. 10G yeah. or something and they're like huge badasses. But he's a Tracy with a big chin. My problem with that bit is that he didn't need to be in the ring to do that. There, no. In the center of the ring is like a 0G area with like a big CG map yes. that he just floats around. He could have just gone into there and said to his ship's AI, hey, do the thing. And then like, okay, cool. Now stop doing the thing. But you see, it was his emotional arc over the episode. His greatest enemy was gravity and then oh, he yeah to, he defeated gravity and then he had to defeat gravity <laughs> he beat gravity uh, alright so this one this one was a fun start I like the tone of it but once again it was so fast hmm. like it was so rapid fire they uh, they had to kill so many Thunderbirds in this episode I, I was also not used to the Thunderbirds getting bodied so regularly yeah. I guess they couldn't do it too much with the model version but they really Fucking bodied every Thunderbird here. Like mm. Thunderbird two gets electrocuted. Yep. One can't go that high. One just like r- goes past its altitude limit yeah. and uh, stalls, um, yeah. but is then otherwise fine. It just can't go back that high. Two apparently has a higher. Does two have a higher? Is two the first one up there? Two is the first one. Okay, obviously. that's what I say. Because does two have a higher operating altitude than one? Nah, because um, that doesn't make any sense if that was the case. Yeah, uh, one stalls out, then three gets sent up. Three's arms are sick. Yeah, three's new grappling arms are great. I love it. It like I I'm not that as, as much of a fan of three, at least in the original series. Mm-hmm. In this one, it's great because it like before it was just a rocket ship mm-hmm. and it just flew around. A very and didn't, fast. It didn't ship. very fast, but just didn't do anything. In this new one, it has grappling arms. It's got a cargo bay. Mm-hmm. It's got a drill on its nose. 
it's got all of this cool shit and I'm like cool you're, you're now a machine that has equipment that can do things now I'm interested in you yes so any other big points about this episode I thought the um, the title was a cool reference because they already had like a I think they had mentioned there was a space yeah it was a space because the only grabs them with was a space elevator right Which, yeah I don't think that's how a space elevator works like it normally stays on one end and then yeah like so in its original purpose of uh, latching onto Tracy Island as a literal space elevator, that does kind of work. Thunderbird 5 has famously been placed in a geostationary orbit above Tracy Island. If you were really doing a space elevator, you'd put it on a floating platform in the ocean so that if it moves a little bit, it's fine. Um, but winching something up uh, from the atmosphere, nah. The, especially the bit where it starts to slip and fall down as if it's like on a girder. That was a bit like, all right, guys. But the um, episode title itself, Skyhook, that was actually a reference to um, a piece of technology which is an alternative, uh, a, a more obscure piece of technology, was an um, alternative to a space elevator, which would actually be much more realistic for, to create. This is the one where it's like constantly spinning. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. And it like you gotta you gotta be like at the right place at the right time and it like grabs you and flings you into space yeah uh kurtz did a really cool video on that yeah so uh, i so i thought that was a cool reference to get um like a throw into the episode hmm. um yeah it this one's just a lot of tech porn and a lot of thunderbirds really quickly to show what they can do and then the shock surprise of oh my god thunderbird 5 is relevant this isn't the only Thunderbird 5-centric rescue episode either. They do at least one more. That's great. Um, it was a good first choice for an intro to the new series. Um, so next one up we had... Which was the second one? Uh, Recharge, Recharge I had. Oh, yeah. So when they're landing in this one, they're like, um, oh, last one and has to do dishes. Like, these motherfuckers have to do dishes? <laughs> like, with all the shit that they have, they don't own a fucking dishwasher or anything like that? I, like... Coming from a household where we've had a dishwasher my entire lives, uh, I would still think that because dishes were used as a disciplinary thing of just not as in a like, oh, you've been bad, do the dishes, but as in a like, you, be responsible, like do dishes. Um, and so we would use the dishwasher, but we would all like, there'd be stuff which wouldn't fit in a dishwasher or shit like that. I can still envision hyper future where I would still make my did, kids do the dishes to teach them responsibility. It reminds me of Star Trek, how they have the um, like, the crewmen scrubbing the plasma manifolds mm. or whatever. Like, surely you'd have a drone or something that would be able to do this. Yeah. Yeah, it, yes. it was a weird bit. Um, but yeah, like, so we'll do a quick summary of this episode of Recharge. Um, the Tracys are fatigued and exhausted from having nonstop rescues. Um, they do kind of do this as a theme in like some other episodes of being like, oh, I think it was in the last episode, like it's been 36 hours without a major international rescue. Holy shit, that's a new record. And then like, oh, well, I guess we've got to go again. This again establishes the fact you need more people. <laughs> you need more than five dudes. Uh, you need a shift roster um, to have a 24-7 international rescue service online. Uh, these people need to sleep and eat. <laughs> Uh, you need and more have people. a life. Yeah, you need more people. You can't just be doing this all the time. Um, but uh, the danger this time is that somebody thought, uh, you know, where there's a lot of energy, the aurora borealis. Let's build a power generator that can absorb the aurora and turn it into nice, clean energy. Um, 
Unfortunately, it's fucked up in such a way that it's just absorbing energy and not discharging any. So it's going to eventually explode, flipping the Earth's poles. Um, which is a thing that's happened in our lifetime. And I, cause I remember in high school, them saying, like, oh, we're overdue in the next 10 years for a flip. And it's since happened, and I didn't hear anything about it because they just you're able to manage it um, as long as you've got advanced warning. I guess, like, unexpectedly, you could fuck some shit up. Yeah, I think I it, don't think it's happened in our lifetime. I don't think it has happened. You sure? No. Okay, I'll have to look that up. I thought it. I thought it had. <clears throat> I don't think the poles have flipped. That's a really significant thing. We would have to have literally turned off every piece of electronics, or it okay. would have blown up. I think it's like an EMP thing. Right. And we would have had to like change all our compasses, wouldn't we? Yeah. All right, I'm gonna have to learn. I don't I'm think th- the magnetic poles have flipped. Okay, I'll have to learn about this. <laughs> uh, this is an area I need to learn. I remember um, my teacher in physics when I was in high school trying to convince us that the poles had just flipped as a practical joke. <laughs> yes, I know. Uh, yeah. All right. But uh, yeah, so they turn, the, the thing's going to blow up. Uh, Scott and Virgil head out there um, in order to leave the other two guys to rest. Um, and on the way, uh, they can't land directly at the power station because of the disturbance, despite Scott trying his fucking best. Uh, he's like Thunderbird One is constantly like stalling and like half crashing out of the air, and a really cool dramatic sequence that I loved. Um, and eventually, have to take the long way around to like drive to it. Eventually, get there and solve the problem is the the rough overview of the episode. And Scott keeps trying to take the shortcut way. Yeah, Scott is like, I have to kill myself. <laughs> I have it's to kill myself way. to make this work. And Virgil's like, Will you fucking chill out and let me just mm. like do things properly yeah let's do this how we normally do things like you wouldn't let me do what you're trying to do uh you crazy man it's this one i felt like this was a bit of a weak character arc for scott i like the idea of being like the most together older sibling who feels the pressure and everything but i don't feel like he came across very well in this episode it made him look like an idiot yeah like isn't there a part where virgil's basically like if we go if we do this thing we'll like definitely die so let's go and do this other thing and then scott's like no, I'm going to do the thing that'll kill me. And he just like goes off and like almost dies exactly mm. as Virgil told him he would. Yeah, it's this one didn't land quite as much for me. I also didn't 100%. I lost track of elements of this episode. Like there's someone on the in there still, like an engineer, yep. but she kind of just varied in her relevance. At some point, what they're exactly trying to do becomes a bit muddled. <laughs> And yeah like it's and i don't know this one didn't land for me very well um they also had that weird character arc with the robot where they just treat it badly and they continue to treat it badly and mm. then somehow it developed <laughs> in some way like i just this one didn't land for me nearly as much and also i've mentioned it in the preview but again the taking energy from the Borealis is a sly cooper 2 villain plot <laughs> um and i felt like for that reason i found it difficult to get behind this one a little Aww. bit as well as the steamed ham references yep yeah i was not too i was not plugged in distracted for episode <laughs> and they spent most of it with scott just being a fucking idiot yeah so i didn't like this one very much i don't think um i think i got here what i've got here written down in my notes what is the message of this episode it's a bit unclear yeah, yeah. exactly like it's not really made clear uh yeah it's it doesn't know where most put together i did like the the scott arc of because this is one of the few times the 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 overarching story of argo is that 
their dad, Jeff Tracy, has disappeared. Um, he, like, I think like several months or years ago, he went on a mission and just flat out disappeared. And no one knows where he went. No one knows if he's alive or dead. Um, it's resolved by the end of the series. Um, I haven't seen it yet. Um, but every now and then they do mention like, oh, dad's missing. What would dad do if he was here? Blah, blah, blah. This is one of the few times when it kind of gets brought up in a mm. in a little emotional sort of moment. I liked it for that. But I, yeah, Scott is just balls to the wall, hazardous and dangerous this entire time. I like the, that concept behind we're all still kind of children a little bit and yeah. we have to make do without dad. I love that as a modern day kind of character for the Thunderbirds characters, but mm. it's also... It doesn't come across well in this, I don't mm. think. What did you think, Claire? I thought it was a bit odd that they had this station where if one thing goes wrong with it, it could, like, kill, what, like, three-quarters of the world's population. And it seems to be manned by only one technician. Well, I think they'd evacuated everyone else beside, and this person just decided to stay to try and fix shit. Yeah, why not have people who can fix shit there at the station already? Yeah, there's a, like... There's a lot of uh, situations. Thunderbirds, thankfully, does it a bit less and tends to come up with better excuses for it. But, like, there are so many situations where the big weird energy device, uh, you can shut it down three stages before it gets to critical. Like, in, uh, it's the thing where, like, whenever in a sci fi, a fusion reactor is going to explode and go critical, and the the thing about fusion reactors that makes them different from fission reactors is fusion reactors you can turn off instantly um, just super easily because they require <laughs> massive amounts of fuel to go into them and if you just cut that off your action stops nothing happens it just fizzles and dies mm -hmm. a fission reactor can run out of control on its own and become self-sustaining a fusion reactor can't um, unless you're in Spider-Man 3 or uh, 2 um <laughs> It had big Chernobyl vibes, but like way worse because instead of just affecting Europe, it was going to like kill yeah. the entire world. And apparently the only people standing in between us and Oblivion Oblivion is like these two boys with daddy issues yeah. and self-impulse control and their quirky robot. The, with the robot arc, um, so the, the, the message of the robot arc is, hey guys, Robots are still just robots. Like, uh, they make this big deal of like, oh my God, he died. Like, the body was completely destroyed. This is all that we could find. And Brandon's like, oh, cool. Yeah, I mean, like, he's just software, guys. That's literally all of him. <laughs> Which is a really shitty message, I feel, for as a character that's given so much personality and yeah, emotion. Like, this feels very much second, second Renaissance Matrix kind of stuff. But like, yeah. they're just robots. I, like, personally, I enjoyed it because there's constantly that sort of thing in robot stories where uh they treat them like a human uh like they can't just upload the software to anywhere else so i liked the the gag of like oh fucking you guys he's not he doesn't have a soul he's not real um just but then despite that the entire episode makes it out with all of that and even scott and virgil like oh no i'm so sorry he died and brain's like you idiots oh. that's not really the message i got i just thought it, no. the whole thing was that i mean it's like it's like people when um you know, they punch the computer monitor because they think the monitor is the computer. But yeah, no, it's, it's a bit of that. The, it's, the hard, it's just the hardware that's the computer. Mm. I think the fact that we all have different interpretations of this kind of shows this. There was too much in this episode, I feel. Yeah. They were, they were trying to do too many things. Yeah, several in this things episode, at once. And it didn't really work. But mm. 
Yeah. That's pretty much all I've got. Mm-hmm. So we've got, I think, Touch and Go next? Yeah. Yes. Uh, so this one is like, uh, it's like the penultimate episode of season one. Mm-hmm. Um, it uh, Throughout this, it's been revealed that uh, it, Ko is the Hood's niece. Yes. No mention of Karano so far. Uh, Karano, I don't know if he has turned up in the new series yet. Um, but it's this big secret. Like, Ko herself found out earlier on in the series... Uh, and hasn't told anyone about it and is like trying to figure out when and if she should tell the Tracy brothers. But her big character arc is she keeps wanting to punch and fight criminals. Um, she just wants to murder people. She just wants to murder people. Uh, and she's like, I can kill the bad guys before a rescue happens. Like, why don't you be more proactive? And Scott's like, because we're not the fucking cops. We're, we're the SES. But she you guys. is. Like, isn't her job secret agent? Yeah, her job's like yeah. this weird. It's really weird that she should have made the point of like, well, why do you even have me and Lady yes. Penelope on your side if you aren't going to do these sort of things? Like, honestly, she should just join the GDF. She should. Um, Her Thunderbird is sick, but I feel like it doesn't really match the aesthetic of the other Thunderbirds. It doesn't. Uh, it uh, Thunderbird Shadow was invented in this series. Shadow. Yes. The Hedgehog. So cool. It's the most bad. <laughs> the edgiest the Thunderbird, edgiest Thunderbird. Around um, it was, ever did was. It was designed by, uh, I don't know his name, but there's a uh, the anime Macross, which is all about like transforming fighter jets. Um, the mech designer from it that designed all of those. I went and looked up after the fact. The mech designer I'm talking about is Shoji Kawamori, famous for making the VF-1 Valkyrie from Macross and Optimus Prime from Transformers, according to this quick wiki search. Anyway, back to the thing. Again, Japan loves Thunderbirds. So they were like, hey, dude, we're making a new Thunderbird series and we want to make like a fighter jet Thunderbird. Would you like to... Yes! Uh, And he jumped at the chance to design his own Thunderbird, which is like a dream come true for any mech designer in in, uh, Japan. Uh... So that's why it looks like a really cool, like, hyper-advanced fighter jet. Because it's by a guy who, that's his job to make those. Um, So yeah, it doesn't exactly gel with a lot of the rest of them. It really doesn't. It is very much, I know I just made a joke about it, but it is very much a Shadow of the Hedgehog of the Thunderbird universe. Yes, yeah, it is. Yeah, that it really sticks out as like, why did they do this? Yeah. Why did they add this on? um, So yeah, uh, KO is chomping at the bit um, to punch some bad guys. And Scott is like... No, uh, and then they get interrupted because catch the air traffic control system for North America has gone offline, meaning that every single aircraft uh, in North America currently in flight doesn't know where they are and could run into each other or crash at any moment. Surely there has to be some kind of fail safe for that. Surely all of these uh, things have to have something which tells them there's some of the things yeah. nearby. We just established that the entire world could have been like put into fathom, fathom because like one thing broke in the Arctic. Yeah, Catch is a very egregious. Like I, I watch a lot of. Uh, there's a guy Airproud95 who does a lot of like uh, really funny YouTube videos where he plays Microsoft Flight Simulator and he flies light aircraft, so he knows what air traffic control is supposed to be, and they'll make jokes of like just how nightmarish. Uh, it can be if it goes wrong but it's all still in the hands of the pilots the pilots will be told to fly at a certain flight level so they have a thousand feet between themselves and the next aircraft yeah. uh it, it wouldn't go to hell nearly as quickly as it does but no. scott and virgil uh scott's like we'll continue this later ko we're gonna go and <laughs> save north america you go to uh canada where catch is located go plug into the computer brains has given you a little remote desktop tool and figure out what's going on um, 
Scott and Virgil then have an adventure and save an aircraft and it happens. Scott meets a new lady friend. Scott meets a new lady friend. They seem um, to be building some kind of tension there, but I imagine she never appears again. Absolutely not. Okay. What a- um, uh, that whole scene where they're on the cliff edge, like the the shit, the plane is tearing on the cliff edge, is again almost exactly like a scene from uh, the new Lost in Space. <laughs> it's a good. It's a good device. Yeah. They're lost in space. So, uh, yep. Anyway, so so basically, Scott and Virgil have an inconsequential adventure because we need some kind of Thunderbird action in here. Yep. And um, Kodo kills everyone. Like she just. Uh, so yeah she gets up to the catch control and beats up a bunch of the hood's goons the hood has goons now and they have these dumb masks and they all speak like oh i'm a big british cockney like they just all speak like that and it's great um and she confirms that the hood is responsible for this and finds out where he is and also finds out that this is all a distraction for him to do something else she plugs the control chip in so the brains can hack it and then goes like, oh, sorry, you're breaking up, guys. I got to go run off and punch some bad guys and then fucks off. I do like having that moment. Brains was like, you, you seem to be coming through pretty well, actually. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, this things seem fine on this end. Okay, bye. <laughs> like, it's just... Is the hood voiced by Jeremy Irons? No, I'm pretty sure. Well, I'm guessing no, because if that were the case, I probably would have known about it i don't think so i definitely heard his voice somewhere before um i yeah i i wouldn't be surprised if it's the regular regulars from a lot of stuff he's got uh, one of those voices i want to look this one up too the voice actor for the hood in thunderbird zago is andre williams who is famous for a whole bunch of video games a few episodes of east enders and octonauts according to his imdb um uh yeah, so she uh, trundles along, finds the Hood's airship, which has a, he has this big, dumb-looking airship, and he's gone and stolen a huge fuel tank of a acetylene, I think it's called, this magic super super fuel, uh, which is like th- with this amount, it will fuel my operations for years to come. So that's this is big profit. Um, Ko, uh, they then have this big conversation where he's like, "I know that you aren't happy with where you are right now." <laughs> Uh, and you're much more of a leader. The Tracys react. You you act yourself. You should be with me. And she's like, I'll never join you, you monster. And he's like, that's besides the point. I'm trying to say, self-actualize. She's like, fuck you. Blows the hood up. seems very reasonable in this. The, yes. the hood was like woke. Yeah. He's like, the, this fuel is being uh, hoarded by the governments of the world when there's people around the world who need it. Yada, yada, yada. I guess he's not giving it to them. But yeah. Still. It's also- but... He, he 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 at least understood the problem it's also explicitly said that this is a clean burning fuel uh something that's changed in the new series compared to the old is there's no mention of nuclear um the thunderbirds are no longer nuclear powered they're powered by like other sorts of fuel uh there's always adventures about clean energy sources that's what the aurora borealis was one mm-hmm. um there was a, a episode two of the series was there was an old uranium mine in south africa and somebody got trapped inside of it um scott goes down to check it out and like spelunks around and finds this woman who's trying to grab like this cache of uranium um and he's like what the hell are you doing just my family owned this mine and when the world transitioned away from nuclear power my family got fucked like we lost everything uh that's why i'm here to at least get something and then sell it on the black market if i have to because i've got nothing anymore um and it was a really interesting like for the thunderbirds to be like 
the famous thing about the Thunderbirds was they were atomic. It was the atomic age. Mm-hmm. They were all powered nuclear. Even Thunderbird 4 has a nuclear reactor on board. Fireflash has a nuclear reactor on board. And we just talked about how silly that was. Um, for them to make such an about face and say, well, no. Like, Nothing Thunderbirds, is nuclear powered anymore. Yeah, Thunderbirds is anti-nuclear because there are better fuels available now. We are science and technology. Uh, I'm we not have better sure. Stuff for the job. Like, is that... that uh, Aurora Borealis thing seemed way more dangerous <laughs> than, <laughs> than a oh, pish, oh, pish posh. No, it's fine. It's fine. Um, uh, but yeah, like it was a really powerful about face for like, I was surprised that the series was going to be as bold as it was about that, considering like it's still controversial at the moment. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, it's just, it's, it was a weird um change of pace i think nuclear gets a hard rap still i think i think that there are still places for nuclear still places for nuclear but it is um it was interesting the the hood saves his niece yeah so ko uh dislodges the fuel tank and flies after it her thunderbird cannot carry the fuel on its own uh and then the hood's got like this like mounted weapon on his ship which just emps an aircraft Mm -hmm. um and one of his goons hops on board it and shoots thunderbird shadow uh, and the hood's like, you idiot! Why'd you do that? Um, and Thunderbird Shadow is completely knocked out, free falling with the tank alongside it. Scott is like full afterburner, trying to get there in time. The hood hops on board the controls, and goes, "I'm gonna take back what's mine," and puts his aircraft into a dive. Tension, 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 tension. By the way, his aircraft seems terrifying yep. because it's open top. And oh yeah high up. yeah and they go into like a nine degree dive with like <laughs> yeah. nothing to strap him in it's so fucking that gave me like full of, it's giving me cringe now like <laughs> i can feel that roller coaster feeling of like oh no like so, he yeah. probably lost a couple goons on the way probably, yeah <laughs> uh ko is falling trying desperately to restart her aircraft and then suddenly she's caught at the last second the fuel tank flies past her hits the ground explodes and what's really interesting is the music cuts at this point. There is no music whatsoever. And she's looking up, but you can't see what she's looking at. And then slowly her aircraft gets lowered onto the ground, revealing that the hood saved her instead of Scott. The hood then leaves, revealing Scott arrived too late to do anything. Yeah. That's great. He's woke. He's got an amazing eyebrow game. He's got great fashion sense. Did you see that tie he was wearing? Yeah, powerful. And he's a family man. Mm. Like yeah. he's. I see nothing to dislike about the hood. <laughs> I'm sure there's more, but from this episode alone, I would argue that the hood is the good guy. Yeah, this this is like that's why I picked this episode because yeah. it was one of the most interesting yeah. like revitalizations of like, well, hey, what? Let's make this character interesting. Let's yes. make him more than Fu Manchu. That said, I wish. I don't think I understand what motivates the hood yet, but I also feel like I shouldn't because I don't have the context of other episodes and all of that. Yeah, this is... Yeah, this is still when the story was kind of developing. The hood is still a villain, um, and he's still out to... uh, Pretty much for money, more so, because the Thunderbirds... Another change in the new series, the Thunderbirds aren't secret anymore. Yeah, Um, They don't bother to hide their faces, their names, uh, the Thunderbirds themselves. They openly work with the Global Defense Force... Um, and like have liaisons with them. Um, I think that they they chose that for the series because with smartphones and everything, it would just be exhausting to find reasons why the Thunderbirds were still invisible. Yeah. Um, so they just dropped that plot out. And I think it works. I, I don't think the Thunderbirds need to be secret. Yeah. I, I never... There were times when I was watching the show as a kid where I assumed they just weren't. Mm. Like in Thunderbirds 6, the like, members of International Rescue will be on the board of... 
this like airship and it's just alan and it's like hi alan tracy oh i don't don't remember that oh wow yeah and he's they just talk to him about thunderbird shit all the time (laughs) and i just assumed that people knew that they piloted thunderbirds at that point i don't know if they just stopped caring I, maybe because that I, is the sequentially last yeah the very last thing that happens yeah. in the thunderbird verse so yeah. uh, the original the thunderverse one, the thunderverse the thunderpants verse all right the music in that episode was fantastic mm-hmm. hmm. like, i didn't pay much attention to it oh how did you not it was like sick it was very james bondy mm-hmm. yeah so uh the same composer who works on doctor who uh, did modern Doctor Who did like Goldsmith something? Um, does the music for uh, the reboot Thunderbirds, uh, and it really shows through quite a lot. That was a lie. I didn't research that. The music for Thunderbirds Are Go is done by the brothers Nick and Ben Foster, the latter of whom worked as an orchestrator for Murray Gold, who was the Doctor Who composer. And because I'm here anyway, Barry Gray was the original composer for the old Thunderbirds series, Captain Scarlet, and like most of the Super Mario Nation shows. Um, There's the same kind of... It's still definitely trying to imitate the original Thunderbirds style, but it does have... You can kind of hear the Doctor Who in it uh with the brass uh coming through um uh but yeah the, mu- the music is great uh, i think that the as well as the the main theme and the launch m- theme music that they have for it is also fantastic i have the new thunderbirds launch theme as one of my alarm tones uh, on my phone to wake up because it's a great thing to wake up to so you're just gonna make yourself hate it now it hasn't happened yet Sorry about the mic issues. I don't think there's much I can do about them. Yeah, there isn't. Um, but anyway, that's a bit with it. Shall we smash through the last episode and wrap this one up? Yep. Right. So the last episode is Colony. This is mostly there for Joel, because I remember that you were a big Thunderbird 3 fan. And also because yes. we haven't had Thunderbird 3 so far. No. Except for getting bodied in Skyhook. Yes. Um, yeah, in this one, uh, a colony ship is on its way to Mars uh, with the first full shipment of families. Uh, it has overshot its destination because the engines are fucked up and it's headed straight to an asteroid field. <laughs> to fix this, they send Thunderbird 3 up along with... What's his name? Uh, an old friend of Jeff Tracy, Captain Taylor, uh, who was with Jeff when he became the first two men to land on Mars. Is his name Jeff? Uh, yeah, Jeff Tracy is the dad. Um, Captain Taylor is the guy in this episode. I thought it was John Tracy. John is the guy in Thunderbird 5. Um, so, yeah, they so they hook, go to Mars, and it's just a big romp of Thunderbird three saving this colony ship, uh, and it's 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 just a good solid rescue. I don't get why they bring the other astronaut along to this. He does nothing. Isn't it my imagination, or did they bring him along all the way to space to just turn things on and off again? Kind of. Um, yeah, a lot of what he like. The general explanation was you have experience in this stuff which we could use. But yeah, then in in effect, he was just there as like another body. Um, Yeah. He was just there because he's a fun character. Because he's all like, I don't know anyone's names and I'm old school. And then they leave him on Mars to fuck. (laughs) And forget everyone's names. They did. Uh, I think this this was also the episode where uh, they make the gag. Because they do FAB as their like Roger type thing and i think he makes the gag of like what does that even stand for anyway <laughs> and no one answers him <laughs> no one knows but seriously like when, when he when he gets onto the colony ship they ask him what he like what what he can do to fix the issue and his solution is literally to turn everything on and off again didn't you notice that 
I mean, I guess. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I was struggling. I wrote on my notes, why do they take this guy? <laughs> like, because he doesn't contribute anything that another Thunderbird pilot wouldn't be able to do. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's, he's, he just hangs around and fucks around a bit. He's just kind of annoying. Yeah, he's just an annoying dude who doesn't know anyone's names. Yeah. And they leave him on Mars. Mm. He's so annoying. What was his, like, emotional issue again? Like, he had some kind of... I kind of some kind of sad boy thing about him. Uh, so he was with he was with Jeff Tracy when uh, they landed on Mars. Um, he uh, he was in retirement um, and like wanted to keep busy, and that's why he starts off hiking in the Himalayas um, because like he can't figure out what to do with himself. I guess I think that was his thing. Yeah, that's the impression I got. That's why he ended up on Mars. He's like, I'm just gonna stay here because I like being on Mars. Yeah. I was under the impression that like that they'd failed to do something and like now getting to Mars was his way of redeeming himself. I don't know. I just got that emotional kind of... I don't remember that. I don't remember anything like that, but I can get the vibe you're talking about yeah. for sure. Um, there is an Easter egg in this uh, episode. The little kid that they kind of befriend on the colony ship um, uh, whose name is Paul Travis... Uh, is was the name of one of the characters from the first Thunderbirds movie of the first men who went to Mars. Um, when the Zero-X spacecraft goes, it is under the command of Captain Paul Travis. So now this uh, in this new uh, reboot, the kid is one of the first children to live on Mars, which I thought was nice. That is nice. That is cool. I didn't mind this episode, though it wasn't... It was... I didn't like... I didn't dislike it as much as Aurora Borealis, but mm-hmm. I didn't like it as much as the other two. Mm-hmm. So I'm probably going to go ahead and say it's a middle ground for me mm-hmm. on this one. What What did you think about what Thunderbird three could do? I really like Thunderbird three all the time, so mm-hmm. I love what any of you think about Thunderbird three. It's the coolest one. I think this is uh, <coughs> one of the first times it revealed that it can carry a car- carry a pot itself, yeah. um, which was which was new. Um, there is also uh, an episode where there's a, a space hotel which fucks up. Um, and Thunderbird 3 evacuates everybody on board uh, uh, and they all sit in its cargo bay and it needs to like ferry a couple of loads of people down It to do this it has them on board flies into the atmosphere um, and then uh, flies underneath Thunderbird 2 Thunderbird 2 then lowers you know like uh, it theme park rides um, those like bank of chairs yeah. with like the straps and stuff that come over your shoulders it lowers a gantry of those into Thunderbird 3's cargo bay mid-flight, puts loads all the people up, Thunderbird 2 retracts it, and then Thunderbird 3 flies back up into space. And it was such a cool crew transfer thing of like, that's amazing, that's super cool stuff that they can do now. I didn't know that, like, it was great. Yeah, all right. But yeah, so Thunderbird 3 gets a lot of a lot more stuff it can do now. I remember in the climax of this episode, they're trying to figure out how they're going to like land on Mars. And they, like, figure out this way. They're like, it's very unlikely this will succeed. We'll probably all die. And everyone's basically just like, yeah, well, I guess this is our best shot. They all seem so kind of like, eh, mm. guess we'll die. But maybe we won't. Well, they did go to Mars. Yeah. I mean, you don't go to Mars without being prepared to die. Yeah, true. Yeah. I don't really know why they <laughs> didn't just, like, go into Mars orbit. What was the reason for that? Was their life support buggered or something? They lost all their landing... They, their life support was also buggered, yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but, like, 
other episodes establish that there's a lot of spaceships in the solar system these days. Um, so, it, yeah, it, it felt a little bit they just stretching it. The ship, that's all. Yeah, like crashing a huge, big ass colony ship. It felt a bit. Oh well. Yeah. It was fun. All right. Should we it, wrap up with our final Thunderbird thoughts? Oh, it, um, the ship from that episode. I thought it looked a bit like the ship from 2001: A Space Odyssey. Yeah, yeah it definitely yeah. had that vibe. Yeah. All right. To final thoughts on Thunderbirds, shall we? Hmm. All right. Uh, well, I love it. Yes, I do. <laughs> right. uh, I don't feel like you should even give your opinion at this point. Really? But I've got like several Thunderbirds books and toys out at the moment. I feel like I'm an unbiased observer. Yes. <laughs> so we all know Goldie loves it. It's his topic. But I guess for me, this was quite a nostalgic trip. I don't know if I would watch new Thunderbirds that much, but I would revisit old, I think. Mm-hmm. I think it's very easy watching and I like its optimism and relative nice version of the future which you don't often get mm. I find that quite useful I also just love the models yeah the the, the switch to mostly CGI or like even with the real sets it lost something for me still I feel mm-hmm. a little bit um, it really there's something about just seeing all of this stuff in that real like actual jets kind of stuff that mm. really does it for me and I don't think it really retains as much of its appeal to me without it so. yeah Something you'd also mentioned the the relaxing nature of the original episodes of how slow methodically paced they are. Yes, it is. It is cool to just have forty five minutes of something going, um, and yeah, it takes them ages to get there. There's long drawn out establishing shots. That yeah, it's, it's good painting stuff because I paint a lot of miniatures and I put it, stuff I got in the background. Usually, it's great background stuff for painting. Oh, cool! Like I painted a whole heap of um, I painted a board game called Nemesis which is like an alien ripoff one. I did it all. I did every single miniature in one go and I did it watching Thunderbird 6. <laughs> so like it's it's good stuff if you want to just have chilling out. But the new one was a bit too frantic for me. And honestly, I have a bit of an issue with... I can't often watch media intended for kids anymore just because it doesn't do it for me anymore i can get I don't that think, yeah. yeah and i think that's one of the, i know some adults can i'm not judging that but i can't if for the most part i can't get into shows intended for kids anymore mm-hmm. uh or with kids as their intended audience if that makes sense it doesn't even if they're like a more grown-up version of all of it um it still doesn't quite work for me yeah yeah what about you claire i enjoyed the aesthetic of the whole thing and um watching the old series there was certainly a kind of it, it was something that was unique and novel in a way because like you don't often see things like that these mm-hmm. days um and some of the characters were fun and the, the music and the new one in particular was good probably not something i would watch on my own time but it wasn't unpleasant to watch you know mm. like it's good to get it in you. Yeah, it, it, I I can say I've watched Thunderbirds now. Which yeah, you, is, you get the idea. Yeah, I got the idea. Hmm. Like, um, I did really, I did really enjoy Lost in Space though. So I think the basic idea of Thunderbirds, I like. I just, I just, um, I think. So is it Space Family solves problems? Is that your genre? Oh, um, well, the genre I'm talking about now, like, um, yeah. So Lost in Space, the new reboot that's yeah space family solves problems from space families that was originally a 60s space family but is now a 
2000 Space Family solves problems um, and defies death, which is what Lost in Space is. I think Lost in Space, I enjoyed it more, though, because, um, well, for one thing, it's, yeah, it's more aimed at adults. Mm-hmm. And while I can watch stuff for kids and enjoy it, like, um, I think for me with the new Thunderbirds, the ways in which it was aimed at kids kind of threw me a bit. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, not threw me, but like, it was just like, oh, uh, uh, um, that was like, I, I guess like the humor and stuff like that. It felt like it was more aimed at a, or, or a, a younger audience. Yeah. 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 There's definitely a lot of that in, in the reboot. Whereas like in Lost in Space, it's got a more, um, like the drama and dialogue and everything is more adult orientated, which mm-hmm. made it easier to enjoy for me. I don't remember if anybody's died in the new series yet, um, but uh, a good handful of people do die in the original series. And I think that's something they definitely toned down. Um, the original series was notable for being quite mature mm-hmm. in a lot of it. Because in the 60s, who cares? What, we'll, we'll traumatize kids. We don't care. Um, nowadays, we do care. Um, so there might be a bit of that as well as to why the uh, the maturity of the old series is a bit more appealing, um, mm. despite the rampant 60s-ness of it. So I guess that's Thunderbirds. Yep. <laughs> so we sure thundered those birds. We sure did. Um, I think next up, we're moving on to... Well, before we do... Uh, yeah. um, you uh, made me uh, answer this before in the intro. Yes. What, uh, Joel, what is the uh, sexiest Thunderbird? And it's probably three, but <laughs> let's say comparing the two versions of three. Yeah. Uh, what does it for you? I still feel like the old version has a certain mm-hmm. appeal, but they both aesthetically look exactly the same. So I can just imagine that three does all the things that the other three would do. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, guess, you can do that. I've, so I guess it would say the same for me. I'm not changing any of my answers mm-hmm. um, on that front. Um, Thunderbird Shadow feels so different to the other Thunderbirds. I don't know if it counts. Mm-hmm. Um, and none of the others have a si- redesign significant enough for me to change my opinion. So. Yeah. Yeah, I would say with that. Hmm. Uh, Claire, which one? Which Thunderbird machine does it for you? I did really like Thunderbird Shadow, but again, it didn't really feel like a Thunderbird, so I mm-hmm. feel like it shouldn't count as an answer. Um, can I say that plane from the first episode? Because that was pretty sick. I know that's not a Thunderbird, but... The original series, the Fire Flash? Yeah. That was... it, is, it is one of the coolest Thunderbirds uh, vehicles of the universe. Yeah, it, I'll, I'll say that. Yeah, I'm going to say that. Yeah. Perfect. Awesome. And yourself, Goldie? Uh yeah, it's always it's probably always gonna be Thunderbird two for me. Uh, I like I like a thick bitch. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I like a I like a large woman uh, that can carry me, um, and uh, bring whatever they need to the danger zone. I feel like people who like Thunderbird two would have like a breeding fetish. It's like got <laughs> a preg nature to it. Um, well, I can't speak for them. Okay, uh, <laughs> sorry for. <laughs> Implying that you also had that, I just realized, but like by that same token, perhaps Vore. <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> Thunderbird two is the fetish pick. Thunderbird two is the fetish pick. We we have four Thunderbird the... one is your vanilla you know, Marilyn Monroe kind of yeah. like thin 
blonde, attractive. And we know that four is like Louisa. Louisa what's three? Indie manic pixie girl. <laughs> okay, interesting. I don't know what four would be, but I don't four, want four, to know. Four is like gothic, <laughs> goth Lolita. Yeah. Um, the the Japanese stuff that we tr- we try to that avoid. That makes sense. Um, uh, I don't know what five would be. The voyeur. Yeah. Five is Findom. <laughs> All right, sure. <laughs> we'll go with that. Tell me what to do, five. That's yep. the deal. All right. So there we go. That's a good ed- note to end the episode on, I think. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I guess until next time, I'm Joel. I'm Goldie. And I'm Claire. Perfect. Um, and we'll see you next time for the next hyperfixation. See you guys around. That was our cool podcast. Hope you liked what we said. We're all exhausted now, so it's time for bed. Please tune in next time when we might say crustacean. Until then, it's goodbye from our hyperfixation. Zzz.